Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to my good bad brain I'm a normal person so I'm insane I've got depression and ADHD But I'm doing better since I medicated me I'm still not always sure whether I exist Or what being a person even really is But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is beautiful. Hey, friends. It's Jim. Um, obviously. All right. Well, we're here. We're doing my good bad brain again, as we do. Today, my guest is uh, Avital Ash. I was, listen to this. Avital Ash. Unbelievable. Avital Ash. That's how I would say it if I talked like a, you know, my brain worked. Um, Avital is somebody who, as we'll discuss in this, I I didn't know personally, but was always like in the orbits. We were in the same orbits of creative people, comedy people. I had met her originally at uh, uh, Allie's, uh, a party of hers a while ago. And then um, and then I met her uh, again at another party not that long ago for a launch of any of these shows. And and I we were all just talking. Nobody, you know, people didn't really know each other. And I was talking about this mental health podcast that I've been doing. And she started talking about her mental health struggles. And I was like, well, you, you should come be a guest, please. And, and she was like, yes. And then I went through that stint where I was working on this other project. And I was doing solos for a while, brain breathers, whatever. So when I started doing interviews again, I was like, oh, I should hit up Avital again, see if she wants to be on the show. And uh, and so this was interesting because as this pod continues, I'm starting to branch more into doing conversations with people who I don't know that well beforehand, which certainly changes the dynamic of these explorations and these conversations about mental health because I don't have as much context of pre-knowing the people where I'm asking specifically about feelings that I have about their, like my perceptions of how they walk through the world and whatnot. Um, and that definitely changes the dynamic and maybe for the better, because it's more of this like getting to know and this true inquiry and this two people really meeting. And, um, you know, a peek behind the curtain of usually how I do these episodes is, um, depending how well I know somebody will, will talk a little bit before I start recording. But then as soon as I realize we're starting to get into real stuff, I'm like, Oh, I'll just start recording. I'll start recording. So with Avital, who is, I knew was a comedian and uh, an artist in general. I knew, I know that. Um, I, I, I wanted to kind of, I just, I just was like, so tell me a bit about, 
and I had this realization, the, the theme and what I'm titling this episode is everything is everything. And we ended up having this really great conversation that went way longer than I expected it to, but I'm leaving pretty much all of it in because I liked all of it. And because that's the nature of this podcast, uh, you get to just have some people that you hang out with and talk with for a while. And, um, because I don't even know where I'd start cutting, you know what I mean? Um, and so this thing, everything is everything. We say this phrase frequently and we found that we had a, a lot in common in terms of like some of these ph philosophies of ways of looking at the universe this feeling of like you know putting too much weight in synchronicity and and looking for those kind of commonalities and realizing that everything is analogous to everything else I, I really feel that way and it helps me cope and sometimes makes me feel like I'm going crazy but um you know as we got to know that like, realize that we had those things in common um kind of on the same token you know as I was going to say like because lately I've been trying to we're trying to put the specific thing that one has, uh, you know, that we're discussing, like if it's ADHD that my guest has and wants to talk about her depression or anxiety or whatever, trying to put that in the title, um, you know, just so people who are new maybe and want to look at something that they are experiencing and people talking about that, they can go click on that one. Um, and I realized, you know, this common thing keeps happening with almost everybody I talk to who has, you know, one thing, quote unquote, or two things. There's sort of like just this blanket. And I think this is why the approach of this my good, bad brain idea and that, you know, we sort of like tend to take a holistic approach of of uh, of our situations of that understanding that it's a combination of brain chemistry and habits and thoughts about ourselves and our world and and even like foods we eat and, and exercises, we do all this kind of stuff. That everything really is everything. And there is sort of like, I've never met anybody who's like, oh, I have depression. I'm diagnosed with depression, and uh, but I don't get anxiety. I don't understand that at all. <laughs> or someone who's like, has, you know, bipolar or something. And then is like, no, I don't understand the idea of ADHD at all. Um, that there is this kind of feeling that while obviously for DSM purposes and professional purposes and whatever, that there is there is like, you know, a reason to get specific about what we're saying somebody has or what they're dealing with. But that from the perspective of the non-professional, of those of us experiencing our good, bad brains day to day, um, that while it can be helpful to diagnose and it can be helpful to understand and I think crucial, like get help professionally, it's it's unbelievable. The professional help in my life has been such a thing for your lived sensation of it, that we all are sort of connected in this uh, these struggles. And, e and even if you were somebody who's never been diagnosed and you end up on a conversation with me, um, I really even believe that, I mean, it, the diagnosis isn't even important. It's like, what is your experience of life? You know, being like, oh, uh, my problems, I mean, my problems aren't real because the doctor never told me that I have depression, quote unquote, or that I have. And it can be quite a frightening, in fact, I think, it can be off-putting even to the to going to see a doctor because you're worried about getting that label. I know I was. I know that's what part of why I avoided it was I was like, yeah, I'm probably bipolar. I'm probably this or that. And uh, so I'm going to um, just not go because then it'll be on resumes. Like what if I want to be a cop one day <laughs> or something? Like that would be like a real thought. You know, they probably wouldn't take me because it'll say I was depressed, you know. Um, but fuck that, of course. And like, you know. It's so much better to know what's going on with you and to not feel fucking shame about this silly thing that you didn't have a choice over 
It's just part of who you are. And that's the whole point of like getting rid of this stigma. So as I went to be like, look, just listen to the tape. And I was like, well, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the wrong thing about um, what, uh, you know, Avital self, self, uh, you know, shared, described that she has. And I was like, no, that's what she said. She's like, there was like depression and there's anxiety and very real things. But like, it kind of feels like, I don't know. I just was realizing picking the specific diagnosis doesn't feel so important, at least to me or to this experience or to any of our experiences as human beings relating to each other um, about how we get through life with the things that we face. And I've, you know, sort of started shifting that question about like, what do you got? That first of the six quick cues away from like, what specific diagnoses do you have? Which is part of the conversation, part of the question towards more like, you know, just what do you deal with? What do you struggle with? Because even people who don't have diagnoses have something that they're struggling with. That is why like everybody has that. They have something that makes it hard some days to get up and go forward or to follow their dreams or do what they want to do or whatever the fuck it is that's stopping them. So anyway, that's the theme here. Uh, everything is everything. Avital, like I said, we had a wonderful conversation. She was so great to do this talk to. Like she had just had eye surgery like a few days before. And so we were going back and forth about, um, you know, if we were even going to do this or when would be good and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and it was great. It was just so lovely to like sit there, uh, in the living room and have this, I don't know, just very terrific talk, it, you know, and it's nice too to know, like, this is not a person that I know. Like, this is just another human being in the universe where there was some sense of kindredness. And then we talk and you can do it for like two hours and feel like, oh God, did that much time go past? We could do this more. I think that's like my favorite thing about this podcast so far is not just with the people I talk to in person, but the people who keep communicating and stay in touch online also. Like, there really is this network of similarity between us. And that these conversations are possible with almost anybody, as long as they're like open and interested and in going there. Or maybe even if they're not open, even if they're just interested or willing to open for the purposes of a talk. I don't know. I think that's hopeful. I think that's nice to know that we're all like connected in that weird web. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this talk. Um, Avital is fantastic and it was super like brave and and blunt i mean that, that i don't mean that term and she would probably based on our my limited experience of her she'd probably roll our eyes up being you're so brave <laughs> but um she really is wonderful and a light and uh a question later on that that struck me really hard in the in the in the room i don't even know if she knew but i was like oh i'm not gonna cry i'm such a crybaby but it was very emotional for me about taking really she's had some really hard experiences and using those to like pay them forward in light, you know, um, translating those experiences into something to laugh at and learn from and heal from and being able to extend that um, experience empathetically to other people who might be facing those similar tough things in their lives um, contemporarily, um, you know, while she's gone through them before. I, I don't know. It's just a beautiful thing. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation with me and uh, the wonderful Avital Ash. I did it again. Avital, Avital Ash. He's a cute boy. He is. Um, he's a Chihuahua Terrier mix of some kind. Yeah. Is he rescue? He is. He um, has my birthday. That's People assume that I'm like making that up, that I've just assigned him my birthday. But his mom uh, was an owner surrender while she was pregnant. People are so fucked up. Yeah. That stuff gets me really down. So somebody like had this dog and then didn't fix her. And they were like, oh, fuck, she's pregnant now. So they gave her to a shelter. 
And then um, all of her puppies were born in the shelter, including Luke, on my birthday. Um, Allie likes to go to the dog. She really wants a dog. She's always wanted oh, a dog, but she, she never... She get one. She, she will. She needs... It's like a living situation thing, you know? Yeah. It's like, and if you travel a lot, it's tricky. Yeah. But she will. This is, I'm positive, this coming year is the year that yes. Allie finally gets a dog. Oh my God, I can't wait. But she loves going to the shelter and I've gone with her a bunch of times and I almost, I don't know, I don't fully get how she likes it so much because it is so, so intense. sad. Yeah. I know, it kills me. The one that he came from is not as heartbreaking because it's a super low kill shelter. Which one? Where is uh, it? In Santa Monica. Oh, okay, okay. It's like... I think like 99% of them are not ever euthanized. But I'm not skipping over this birthday thing. When's, oh, a yeah. birth, when's the birthday? July 20th. What does that make you? Cancer? Yeah. Or, yeah, cancer? But cusp. Oh, when's it. your birthday? October 1st. Oh, my mom's the 5th. Oh, my brother's the 7th. Hey, look at that. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I think my grandma's the 5th or maybe the 6th. We're like all Ooh. these Libras. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really buy... I don't yeah. care about Zodiac, but I like people's birthdays. I just like to know when they are because I'm a sucker for synchronicity. Like Me too. he and I have the same birthday or like, oh, you and my mom or well, you don't. But why do you why do you think you don't buy into astrology, but you like synchronicity? Astrology feels so like arbitrary, but finding things that are just the same feel more aligned. Yeah. Does that make any sense? I think so. But like you mean like aligned. I mean, because you're still I'd still implying a kind of mysticism right you know like there's i also put absurd weight in synchronicity yeah but to the point that i will include things like omens from you know mystical things like i really like tarot shit mm -hmm. and like one day i was like just walking on the street and there's like a playing card on the street Ooh. Um, and i and i was like and playing cards you know are um come from tarot like that's or they're like the same thing they're just missing some stuff uh -huh. and i flipped over and it was actually a tarot card and i carry it with Whoa. me it this three of coins do you know what it means i looked it up one time and it's like it was good it had to do with it was while i was heading to my editor's house for this product i was working on it has to do with like working on projects and um no and like asking for help when you need it and letting oh. other people help you and wow coins have to do with tactile but anyway Oh, I like that. They I look do too. Like and, I, and I think there's a weird, um, but that is weird. Like that's a weird synchronicity. Right. I, I used to do this thing where I would just pick a tarot card every day. Just one. Because I don't mm -hmm. think you can overdo it either. You have to like let let it be special. Yeah. And, uh, and instead of like doing full readings, I would just pick one every day and see what it had to say. Yeah. And sometimes like I've had it like literally like a card leaps out. Like you go to touch the deck and like one or like a wind blows it. Yeah. And uh, and I love that shit. Yeah. I, even though that's so absurd. I feel you. There's, um, I love Leonard Cohen a lot. Yeah. And there's um, this Sylvie Simmons biography about him. And I'll sometimes do this like weird bibliomancy where if I feel really stuck, I'll just like open to a page. Yes. And see what it tells me. I love that. And it usually. is such a good word. Thank you. I didn't invent it. I don't know why I, I know. said thank you. It's really good. <laughs> Couple you used it. You can have ownership yeah. over that. Okay, thanks. I'll take it. Yeah, it's there have been times where it's uncanny. You're like, this is insane. Yeah. That this is what I'm reading right now. This is exactly what I need. I'm gonna use that word because I forgot it exists. I wrote a book of poems. It's not like public. I just I do them on my Instagram sometimes now because uh -huh. I, I worked on it like for like 10 years. I was like, Whoa. I'm gonna do this hundred project. And I was like, I want to write a hundred poems. And I'm gonna, I know it just ends at a hundred. I don't know what. And they're kind of broadly about love, I guess. But, um, but I, my intention with it is that I treat it like that. It's like a, oh, wow. a divining thing where I, you just ask people to pick a number between one and a hundred and not think about it. 
and um and, then and see if it has poem. something for you yeah. yeah oh i love that so i really like that you are into that i mean because <laughs> to me astrology or tarot or this poem thing like whatever it is um especially like astrology and, and tarot like they are just all the things that are described in there are just these like archetypes they're like dream vision kind right. of stuff anyway yeah like sort of shared um seeings that we all kind of have you know like we all have like these everybody has dreams about spiders everybody has dreams about falling everybody mm -hmm. has dreams about drowning like these primal yeah shared things so i feel like things like that are in are in astrology like horses and what they represent and bulls and what they represent and i guess it's like i had there was a period where my closest friends were all born within like four days of each other and i don't think of any of them as similar Mm -hmm. But there is something that I'm drawn to just and, and so different, in fact, that one of them ended up sort of becoming like a nemesis and like mm -hmm. causing a deep, deep depression. I mean, I struggle from, with depression yeah. anyway, but um, who like turned on me in this very uh, yeah big way, like almost. But you felt very similar to prior to that? Um, just who I was very close with. Yes. Okay. And my best friend since childhood who is still my best friend is born like the day before this person. Mm -hmm. um, so they're so different. And one has been like a true lifelong friend and one has been the source of a lot of strife. Yeah. But there is still this just grouping. Yeah. Of they're born within a few days of each other. That is weird. Yeah. Well, because I was going to say that I think just thinking about these like literary or, you know, sort of dreamy themes you know no matter what it is gets you to reflect on it is it in your life is it not where yeah. is it or where isn't it so like it, you know that whole idea of people being like they're so generic i really do think when you get into astrology with like the specifics of your chart it can get weirdly specific yeah and alien i have an ongoing joke she sends me these like screen caps from this some astrology app that she has for someone who's so science-minded that's like part of what makes it so fun is because yeah. it's so weirdly specific sometimes and we'll put so much stock in it and so now we just say like oh dark matter dark matter <laughs> like because we don't know what 90 percent the universe is right, so right. with these people that you keep being like what is it about you know being so close to these people who have these close birthdays i don't know i think about that all the time i do think it's possible that people you are you know like that whole idea that like love and hate aren't on different ends of a spectrum they're like mm -hmm. different sides of the same coin right. the same end of the energy output spectrum yeah i don't know I there's a tendency true. for like artsy people to misappropriate like scientific concepts mm -hmm. but the one of quantum entanglement is like one, this idea that there are particles that can be like billions and billions of light years apart, but they are connected somehow mm -hmm. and they like will behave the same way. It's hard not to apply that sort of idea to us and be right. like, well, if we're all made out of the same particles that were here during the Big Bang and they just keep getting recycled and recycled and recycled, like how is it crazy to think, especially when scientifically speaking mental health wise speaking we take in medicines that are mm -hmm. purposefully to like fuck with molecules in our brains so right. that we feel different ways yeah why would it seem so crazy that there'd be some kind of quantum entanglement electromagnetic blah 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 whatever shared particles that yeah. like as they're recycled over and over are in you and are also in somebody else's mm -hmm. brain and it makes you feel this weird attraction or closeness or something yeah it's also weird how um there's like, I don't know how to say this without sounding dumb, but I'm just going to dive in. Like you can take a medication for depression and like you're saying, okay, this has been designed specifically to interact with this and that to cause this reaction. But that 
it can do the same thing for 50 people and then cause such different reactions right. in these five people. And so there's this sense of like, we're all the same and we're all completely different. Yeah. Which does get into some stuff that we were talking about a little bit beforehand. Um, before we were recording, we were talking about like just, you know, people we know in relationships and stuff like that. And uh, mine with uh, Ailey is, I do think it's interesting to have some, that there, there's something in my connection to this person that is so deep and sure and intimate and certain and just like i love you i am we are like the same as in the right word just so attached but Mm -hmm. there's also then like this weird thing that creates conflict sometimes of like our our thinky brain human intellectual thoughts parts that's so different Mm -hmm. and the strangeness of that of like which i feel like is related to me in the in the concept of like a medication that does the same thing for so many people then can cause such strange effects in others it's like you have the same like there's something underlying that is the same mechanism, but like the way it manifests in the more um, in the complex, I guess, like ways that humans are, I don't know, something gets like lost or mutated in the yeah in the machine. Yeah. And I don't know. I obviously neither of us are like biochemists or <laughs> scientists who like can really get too deep into this stuff. And that's the whole point, I think, of what makes med- medication and, and medical intervention for like depression or other, you know, um, what do you call it? What's the, what's the difference of object, subjective experience mm-hmm. of life? So challenging is because there are so many factors that we don't understand. Yeah. But I also think that's why it becomes like so useful to have like woo woo ideas. Like, like uh, even if it's just as basic as like mindfulness or, or mm-hmm. sort of like trying mindfulness to. Mindfulness doesn't even seem so woo woo. I, well, it, what do you mean? Why? Uh, because, well, I guess depends on what exactly are we talking about like mindful meditation or mindfulness well, what did you think i meant when i said i guess it? i imagined like uh an awareness in a sense that f- not quite tactile but like focusing on your breath or mm-hmm. um i remember a therapist at one point saying like that they had a client who would client patient patient who had maybe coins or something that they would mm-hmm. like feel to kind of bring them back down to the present moment mm-hmm. and ground them and that to me seems so grounded as opposed to like out there. Well, that I, I think the reason I think it seems woo woo to me is because it's not it's not like mechanical the way a, a cast holds a broken arm in place so that it mm-hmm. restitches. Excuse me. It's like it's literally making a choice just ha- ha- or right. a shift in your attitude uh, or your focus of where your thoughts are that you are making that that's what seems woo woo to me about it is like it seems so immaterial mm-hmm. but has very practical right right organic and mechanical effects on your body right and that's what i think is strange to think about it's woo woo like it's just thoughts right you although know? you know when you think of and I feel hypocritical saying this because I'm so not in tune with my breath and I'm like Mm. not a dancer. I'm never in my body. Like I'm so in my head, but that's why it makes sense to me that when you're focusing on your breath, which is like the life source, you're more connected to the life around you and the life within you. And to me that feels more tangible than just a thought is like focusing on because it is, it has a rhythm. It has, you know, life. It moves completely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, um, I think it's really, you, you don't have, do you have any like physical practices? I should. I don't. I yeah. would really like to learn how to dance. I have like no rhythm. I've always wanted, yeah. I think oh, dancers are the best. They, I'm like so jealous of their same. thing. 
And there's like a, there's such a metaphor for like a vivaciousness, a lust for life and a person who dances that I, I don't have. Is that um, what we need? Did you I ever read do. Steppenwolf? I never read Steppenwolf. He's horribly depressed and part of his transformation is like he meets this girl who teaches him how to dance. The original Manic Pixie Dream Girl. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, I like. guess so. But so lucky that man got saved by this adorable <laughs> but dancer. But it's very dark. So it's not quite just. The, it's worth a read. I haven't read it no, in it years. Cool. But Plus it's, it's a really good name. Good. Yeah, Steppenwolf is like such a good. I, yeah, I, I have a, I do have a lot of physical practices, but I think they've all come out of this, of right. this like. <clears throat> oh, I want to hear about your physical practices. I mean, I used to run, and that was very good for oh, me. Oh yeah, that's good. Why don't you run anymore? I started like getting sick, and then now I just had. Sur- I would like to get back to yeah. it. Yeah, I, running was never my jam. I, I totally understand when I meet people who like it. Yeah. I had a friend who was like a a really good runner, and I fucking hated running, and I would be like. I know I should run more. Do you have any tips on like how to run better? It just hurts. I just don't like, I hate it. And, uh, she gave me some, some, some physical tips. Like there are like running practices that you can do, but then she was like, and also just like maybe change your attitude about running. <laughs> like, is this on a podcast? Can I listen to this? No, and this is tips? not. This is, uh, this was, this would be a good one though, because I was like, she was right. Like, yeah. like I, I just would do stupid visualizations about like being a wolf and stuff like that. And that it sounds would help. great. Yeah, yeah, it helped a lot. It oh, makes wow. you, you like I'm like I always think of like Last of the Mohicans uh-huh. and how like Daniel Day Lewis and Chingachuk and everything, and they're just like they just fucking run. So you imagine front. being a wolf, kind like, of. But you don't run. So if when you I did do, well, I, I very I just not I do other like I do a lot of like jujitsu and kickboxing stuff, oh, cool. and I do like and I used to I've done all I used to teach CrossFit. I've done like wow. all these different things. Yeah, and I will say one nothing super consistent. I was just thinking today like I do a lot of weird physical practices, but they're usually like like lately I've just been so you know what I mean. Like what would it be like if I just literally did it every day uh, yeah. instead of like waiting till my body felt like it was gonna eat me alive and I was like <laughs> had to move around. Yeah. Um, but also now it's turned into a very I spent so much time trying different modalities from like yoga to weightlifting to powerlifting stuff to like combat sports or whatever that um a lot of times I just go to wherever I'm gonna exercise I go on my patio mostly or I just in my living room today a little bit and I just like feel what what feels weird and I start like it starts as kind of stretching and turns into something that it's not quite dance because I I just don't think it's that but Uh um but a movement-based meditation yeah, kind almost? of well, well i you know it's people and especially western physical culture that has separated out physicality into cardio and resistance right. and mobility and like these things but like your body is just one thing yeah and like in the silliest uh like survival terms um the idea is like if i'm running from an animal that's trying to eat me and i I'm sprinting and I get to a tree and then I climb and pull myself up onto the tree and I need to like get my leg up there to get there. Am I stretching or am I doing resistance or am I doing cardio? Right, all like three. your body's like, I'm fucking living. I'm being right, alive, right, you know? Right. And I think that's important. I think yeah. like, um, I even, I did a stretching kind of workshop recently. It's called functional range conditioning. Um, but their attitude about, I really liked about mobility was they were like, People, when you feel stiff and when you feel like you can't, like your legs don't want to go further or you can't straighten your hamstrings, they're like, it's possible, uh, we believe, that you're not, it's not that you're inflexible, it's that you're weak. It's that like in those end ranges, when your muscles are at their limits, you're weak at like the end range of the motion. And that we need to do is like strengthen your muscles in their stretched out selves. And if you think of it more that way, about like sitting in the discomfort, 
not being afraid of the cramping, mm -hmm. like breathing through that kind of pain um, and actively <clears throat> not just like trying to bend yourself into a pretzel, like actively like pulling your hand, you know, w with your mind, whatever, trying to open yeah. your legs. Um, it changes it like fundamentally. And so things like that, I'm really, really into these days because they it does seem more like this thing we're talking about, like taking something woo woo, like your thoughts and connecting it into like, well, connecting it to my limbs and commanding right. them. Like one of my favorite exercises that they do that I just think is really profound is like, you do this one where you put your feet on the floor and you think about the four corners of your feet, like the front left and right of your, um, mm -hmm. and the back left and right of your heel and your pad of your foot. And then you try to lift just your big toe and keep all four toes down, other toes down. Mm -hmm. And then you put the big toe down and then you try to lift just all three of your, or all four of your toes. <laughs> how many toes do I have? And then vice versa, you pull them all off the ground and then try to just tap the ground with just your big toe and then oh. just your other toes. And it's mind blowing how impossible it is at first. You're like, I know I have neurological, but you're like staring at your toe, trying to tell it to do something mm -hmm. and it doesn't. And do you do anything with the back half? Um, not not really because like you're you you're, you're kind of down. actively like pushing they have like all these ankle stuff there's like a, for every joint of the body they call it cars it's a uh, controlled articulated rotations Whoa. but um it's really profound to like just look at a basic thing like my digits and realize that your pinky's practically dead like your pinky toe is like doesn't even <laughs> exist to your brain and but as you're doing it and focusing and practicing suddenly it starts to Come work to after a few minutes yeah. I think that's oh, really I profound. Try it. Yeah. I do too. I think it's also really interesting how everything has, it's just everything is everything. There's like a metaphorical implication to every single, do you? Yeah. <laughs> like, like that, you're like talking verbatim, about, everything is everything. Cause it's the, it's the best. It's like the simplest and most com It's just everything. It's everything. Yeah. You're saying like, um, you know, you have to move through the discomfort at a certain point physically, like yeah. stretch beyond your stretch. And it's sort of the same emotionally, right? Like where I have gotten so used to reaching for a joint or a drink or whatever, mm -hmm. as soon as I'm in this uncomfortable place, instead of just wading through the discomfort. Yeah. And it feels like our bodies and our minds sort of need that same treatment yes. of like learning to just power through and sit with it. It's not even necessarily powering through just tolerance <laughs> yeah. for what's uncomfortable. And I forgot what we were just talking about. Oh yeah. With, with your toes, it's like, you forget how everything feels so integrated mm -hmm. and how we don't necessarily, or at least I would never parse out the emotions like the same way I'm just like walking and it feels like I'm flinging my foot forward. I'm not right. thinking about the individual toes or, or all of the responses necessary to m propel me forward. And it's the same thing with feelings where it'll just be like an overwhelming sense of bad yeah. instead of being like, okay, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And just mm. by parsing those things out, you start to have more control over them. Yeah. Do you do that? Uh, in my better moments. Yeah. It's really that's helpful. really good. I've if never you, heard like, anybody. Name them. Yeah. They... Say that again. Sorry. I talked over. No, you. no. Just that. Just as if you can like really also feelings change so rapidly. So by naming them, you're sort of like moving through them. I think I first read it in, um, I don't know how you say her name, Tara Brach or Brach, B-R-A-C-H. She had this book. Was it? I'll have to send you the name Google later. Okay. Again. Yeah. Cool. She, she talks about it, it there. Um, <laughs> That it's, I think it's called but radical acceptance because she has more than radical one. Radical acceptance. And, and she talks about that, like just naming your feelings as you're feeling them. And they do become so much less overwhelming when you mm. can like see all of the parts, all of the toes of the foot instead yeah. of just flinging your foot forward. That's, uh, um, I, uh, 
this is related to that mindfulness thing. And I, the guy I had on Nick in one of the last episodes, it was uh, about trauma and stuff. He's he's the first like professional I've had on the show. I oh, mostly cool. like to talk to people who are just like us, who are just living somehow, <laughs> somehow. and <laughs> what we're doing to do that. But um, it was interesting talking to him about because it sounds like similar to what he was talking he was saying like about this idea of validation and that like teaching and learning this concept of validation and and mindfulness and that like uh he said validation acceptance is like the first phase basically of what you have to do to heal anything but but just oh, being able to tune in to what you're feeling like you're saying i've never heard this specific practice and i really like it about like um Allie actually is afraid. She says, like, what's your core gloom? But like uh-huh. that, like trying to that. name the things instead of just going bad. I feel bad, 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 yeah, which yeah. is so true. I remember like years of just a haze of like bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. And yes. I would do all kinds of things to drinking and stuff was totally a big one or like ride my motorcycle too fast or mm-hmm. like other kind of like whatever. Self-destructive. Very tendency. self-destructive. Very much looking for heightened states. Mm-hmm. There's um Because then it overpowers what you're feeling. Right, right. Which, Distracts the fuck out of you. But if you but have ADHD then, on top of it, like is yeah. You're even more so looking. Yes, but see, then that's also where it's tricky because it's like bad versus good. I hate to use those terms, but I don't know what else to say, right? Like, like having too many feelings and numbing out, bad. But having too many feelings and going for a run so that you can't think about all those things and you're just engaging with your body, which is also for me just a distraction, mm-hmm. good because you're like shutting off your brain for a little right. bit. But I guess it's the difference between numbing out and shifting gears. Maybe. I think that is correct. I, I I also think something happens in biological processes of like, if you're running anything that is this sort of like cultivated, um, destruction of your, it's cause it's like really recycling of your cells. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, when you exercise, when you move and you tear muscles and force them to regrow and you have to feed your muscles oxygen, all this stuff. I, I don't, know the science i couldn't like go into why i think scientifically this seems true but i know the felt sense of it is one of i mean i've definitely been able to like burn out bad feelings um that like if you actually process them or just just sort of try to uh er erode them with sweat uh and i don't know like oxygen i guess like burning (laughs) it up like oxygen is actually quite a O2 in particular is like a cleansing molecule. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, it like corrodes everything. Yeah. Um, it does something different than just letting something fester, than letting a feeling like like balming an adrenaline right. response with alcohol or some kind of depressant yeah. and letting it sit in you. It's also interesting the, that idea of everything is everything and how there's like mirrors everywhere. If you have a muscle and there's like a tear and then it grows over, yeah. it's literally expanding. Yeah, yeah. So it's that idea of expansion as a person too, oh, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think about that a lot. Um, I, I, <laughs> the first idea for a book I ever had, I should still write it, it's still a good idea. But like when I was like, nah, 20, something like that, I was like working in gyms at the time and I was like pretty new to like lifting and finding it like pretty profound. And this idea that like Eastern physical practices always have some associated assumed spirituality to them and Western yeah. ones don't. But specifically, oh, when, when, which makes no sense. Like when like you're what's lifting. What's an example? What's an Eastern? Uh, like yoga, mm-hmm. Tai Chi, any right, martial right, art. Right, everyone's right. always like, well, they, oh, there's a spiritual your yeah. breath and it makes you very enlightened uh but if you just go into the right, elliptical or just like lifting weights like oh no you're just working on your strength and right but um we're so divorced from the spiritual component yeah but i don't know what could be more profound than like if you do one one rep max like maximal strength training mm-hmm. a day that you move a number you couldn't move the day before it was literally impossible until right. you until you did it yeah and it, i mean it's that's like proof of change dude yeah that's such a profound 
tactile evidence that you can do impossible things. It's so weird that we separate the two. Why do we so. do that? Yeah. I think it's really dangerous that we do too because of what you made me think of the expansion thing. Specifically, at least, uh, you know, for better or for worse, mostly better, but but in a lot of ways worse, uh, male um, physical culture, they're at least fed some narrative of be stronger, like be a yeah. stronger version of yourself or whatever. I think it's really fucking unfortunate that women are fed um, infantilizing language around mm-hmm. exercise, like shape and tone and right, slim, right. as opposed to like, you can't do any of those things. You can yeah. hypertrophy or you can atrophy. That's all you can do. Right. You can change muscle density to some degree, but like this idea that like, we're just going to slim and tone, blah, blah. Right. and that's like very childish. It's silly language for and one. A sad thing, which I think is <clears throat> still probably better than just slim in tone but it's so much about like being able to defend yourself like it's not like be strong just to be someone who is strong but so you can deal with an attacker potentially yeah well i have a lot of thoughts about that but it's still like oh god right because we're susceptible it's interesting because i do think the other the most terrible and most prevalent message of like physical culture for women in in the western culture at large is just be less it's just like be smaller Mm -hmm. take up less space have less offensive flesh on you (laughs) and just like generally just be smaller right and that is fucking disappear if you can yeah i mean the whole like like the whole man spreading thing people like oh man man spreading and blah blah i um I sort of feel like rather than shaming man spreading, we could just spread spreading right. to everybody. I'm, I'm with you. Because like if it, not if there's other people and you need right. to all fit on the same subway Don't encroach bench. on other people's spaces, but like assert your own. And take fe- up some feel space. what that's like. Like yeah. if there's three if there's three open seats on the subway, yeah, like just fucking chill. Sometimes before an audition, I find myself specifically like really trying not to make myself small because I'll catch it. I'm like you know, my elbows into my sides, like trying to take up physically as little space as possible. And just the effort to like kind of relax and like let my knees go out. It's so uncomfortable yeah, because I don't do it. And it's like, I'm trying to feel powerful in making that change, but instead it's still just in the place of being uncomfortable. Yeah. It's interesting. So I think like things like CrossFit have like CrossFit does a lot of stupid things too, but, but like there is at least some part of the culture that has created a little bit of like some like, and and we I don't know I don't nothing can be we can't have nice things like it, like <laughs> it can't exist as just this nice thing that like yes strength is good now strength is allowed for women also a woman who is strong doesn't look manly she just looks strong right. you know we like sort of like um we gender a lot of concepts in our yes. culture that don't demand a gendering uh, or that I think don't even have one yes yeah, strong always does feel masculine yeah of, exactly that's what I've been taught which is unfortunate because I yeah. do think things like that I think you can have masculine and feminine um expressions like because i do believe in a masculine and feminine sense in like the yin and yang of the universe Mm -hmm. and i and i i um i even think in the discussion of like sort of uh trans identity and i had to talk with uh someone on this podcast read my friend a while ago about this but um we only scratch the surface of this thing there's an acknowledgement that there is something masculine and feminine in the universe Mm -hmm. not that like you know, you might be misassigned it in your body at birth and things like that. But this sort of inherent understanding that some things feel boy and some things feel girl. And, you know, and but it can be really hard to separate. It can be very hard. What is real and what is conditioning. And, yeah. Yeah. But I think there is still. But I think you have these other concepts like strength, which don't have a gender uh, sense to them. They don't have yeah. even in the yin yang sense. Um, but 
there can be masculine and feminine expressions of strength. Like I would say like a kind of like um, dominate your uh, foes or your or your difficulties would be masculine, mm-hmm. more masculine and um, and protect yourself and others would be more feminine. Right. But they're both like strength expressions. Right. But there could be there you know i could see a relationship where there it, there's a functioning yin and yang they're balancing each other out but right. where the woman is more dominate your foes and your enemies yeah. and this is not a heteronormative relationship well, but yeah you well know, and, 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 and is, I, I do believe these like gendered concepts or whatever are available to everyone regardless right, right, of biological right. whatever they're just traditionally yeah just traditionally and i do think spiritually negotiating with them it kind of helps i don't know i don't think there's something wrong like you see it manifest all over the place our need to to have both um and it comes out in pathologized ways like the one i always thought of was like um the the male dominance of the grill Mm -hmm. and this feeling of like wearing i got my man apron and Uh i have the same utensils as the inside kitchen but they're bigger and they're thicker and they're like you know i have the same flipper yeah and it's all like fire and stuff but the instinct is still like to make something delicious to nourish your family right like take care of them be like is this oh i tried new stuff on this one i oh i put all this like apple cider vinegar in it this time and what do you think and it's like very soft actually it's very like silly but you have to but yeah. the instinct There's to a nurture sketch there of just seeing like the woman in the kitchen and the man on the grill and yeah. embodying their stereotypical male female roles, even though they're doing the same thing. But yeah. The, but the performance around it. Yeah. Has, is it different. Just, and it'd be I mean, what a better world we'd live in if these ideas of like validation, because even this like if you can look inside at your experience and be like, what is this? What is it about this that I really like? And mm-hmm. oh, maybe it is this like maybe maybe we all have an instinct to like do masculine and feminine things. Right. And and th- there's a demand for those to be seen in us. Um, and if you could do that since you were a little kid and validate those feelings, maybe we'd be in a less fucked up weird world. I think so. Where you wouldn't be like, cause I do think even in men and women romantic relationships, there's kind of like, and this is maybe related to that thing earlier too, but the strangeness of you can be really close or attracted to someone that's, you know, are all around the same kind of tone. And then some of them can be like your best friend and some of them can be your worst enemy, but they're right. still like in the same zone. Yeah. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. That I do think like there's something about like, our unanswered masculine and feminine expressions inside of ourselves can pathologize out in the world. Like you are both a like, especially in male toxic male culture, there's like both a, a, a need and a love and a want for like the feminine, but like also this desire to destroy it. Right. You know? Right. And I think that it's because think it's like, you're fucked up about how you feel about it in yourself. That, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it in a hundred years, but well, Fight Club is Fight Club so funny, man, because it is definitely like the boys of my generation. It's this like touchstone, yeah. you know. Um, I I haven't watched it in so long. I'd be so curious to see how it holds. I would be up. curious to see it now too. I remember actually seeing the end before I saw the whole thing, so I like never got to experience it afresh. But I would probably get closer now. It's also <laughs> thinking just about how how it affects our like day-to-day life like in my relationship i have all of the feelings which is like the stereotypically female role Mm -hmm. and my boyfriend is a lot more even and logical and doesn't have a lot of feelings Mm -hmm. and in some ways it's like the yin and the yang and that feels like a good balance and in other ways it can be really isolating because I'm like, you don't understand any of these feelings that I'm having. And also my dad, I've never really seen display any emotion. Like I've never seen my dad cry. I've seen him get angry. Mm-hmm. That's like a, a masculine That's an emotion. Acceptable emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I wonder without that sort of conditioning, if I would 
if this relationship would work as well as it does because mm -hmm. if he had all of these feelings would i be like oh that's too feminine because that's not what i grew up with as like a male role model yeah i don't know <clears throat> that's I don't a good know. question I so what do you think have you have you dated somebody before who was like very emotional processy like you i dated someone who was very emotional but was i was sorting out like dad issues in a different way because he was much older than me mm -hmm. and he had a daughter that he was like sort of neglecting which was <laughs> my experience oh, with my dad yeah and like prioritized work and i felt like oh if i can get him to prioritize me i'll have ironed out this other thing and then I, he did and i felt like i sort of did he, I, it was not healthy but no, no 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 well this is interesting to me because i do think <laughs> wait so you felt like he figured out he fi healed himself with his own daughter he will what this guy, this this person, you said did work out some of their stuff with their own daughter, no. and that felt, or you no. worked out some of your he, stuff. I worked out some of my stuff because he had a daughter that he was like not Nicola, really yeah, a no, great yeah. dad to. Got it. And then he prioritized work, but I felt like, oh, if I can come first, not the daughter, yeah, but me, the girlfriend. Oh, that is interesting. No, that is bad. not healthy. You're it right. It was not healthy at all. But um, you know, we do our things. But we he do was all emotional. But that wasn't good either because he was a disaster. But there's an, there does seem like a quality of like potentially. Again, sure, not healthy, whatever. Well, yeah, people, we yeah. do what we do. But like of that gave you an opportunity to have like some closure. Or you something. know, to work to have an emotional version. Yeah. Who you also there's no boundaries with. There's no like right. to work out some of these maybe subconsciously. Yeah, maybe. I mean, not to turn this into like a therapy session. No, I try I to avoid it... making these therapy sessions. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? All right. We can I don't mind it. it. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I just don't. I don't like people to feel like on the spot because we're like. No, but I I'm very aware of it, and I felt like even as it was happening, I was like, oh, I'm sorting out some dad shit. Yeah. You know, do or you trying to. I mean. What do you think about that? Like there's uh, Fiona Apple has a song called Mistake, you know, and she's mm -hmm. like, uh, she's, I want to make a mistake, you know, and there's a line in it where she's like, she has a well-made mistake. She does. And I think about that all the time. But I think plenty of times in my life, I think of it in a lot of ways. I think of like both, like, I think all of art is a well-made mistake. Mm -hmm. I think like everything, but that like, I've definitely made mistakes consciously and done like quote unquote unhealthy or shitty things, like knowing that they were, but I kind of think that was like fine because it makes you better stronger more aware yeah it makes me definitely more aware yeah and also I'm, and i think the trick now has become this is again something we should teach since we're children again like validation acceptance and dialogue like also we should teach the ideas of consent not just in the um very obvious like rape culture kind of sense mm -hmm. but that the idea of consent is like I, I, uh, I've, again, I repeat myself so much in here, but I do a lot of combat sports and I really love, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I've done it for like a long time and it's grappling with the intent to submit your opponent, not pin them. So you're like looking for chokeholds or joint locks. What's the difference between submitting or pinning? Uh, in wrestling or whatever, like traditional high school wrestling, the goal is to like put someone on their back, you know, and like that, that'll be a pin. You hold them for three seconds okay. on their shoulders and then the match is over and, and submit. Uh, but that's not a voluntary submission from the person on the bottom. Oh. that's like just the rules of that game right. in jujitsu or other like or submission grappling in general uh the it's it's centered around getting your opponent to tap out so the way you would do or or um a ref calling it because it's like they're they've you've choked them out already and they've yeah. got they passed out or um they've had some uh joint break that's too that's unethical to let them continue but um, I, don't, I don't know enough about sports but i'm learning so yeah no good. yeah well this is <clears throat> it's again, becoming more and more mainstream yeah. because of mma which is like obviously adds in kicking and punching and kneeing and elbowing also adds striking in but like grappling 
as you know, I do it and uh, a lot of people do it. There's just, there's none of the blunt force trauma, mm -hmm. which I think is good for longevity because you can train very hard and attempt to choke people out or joint like them. And as long as you tap, like nobody gets hurt. Even if you right. get choked out, you don't get hurt. You right. like take a little nap. It's like, it's actually fine. <laughs> that sounds very pleasant. It's great. And that's people's reaction to it a lot too, is when people don't realize they've gone out and then you stop and you come back there, they tend to feel like they've had like eight hours of rest. Wow. It's weird. I, need I think, that. I think it's because your body's like flooded with survival you yeah. know you know adrenaline or whatever mm -hmm. things anyway <laughs> i got consent. To that. oh consent yeah. so this idea of it's it's violent on a somatic level it's like a life and death struggle on a somatic level um but you're engaging it consensually with other people which is different than if like you were just like i have things with violence i need to work out and a kind right. of like the intimacy that comes with violence and you just pick fights with people right, <laughs> that right. would be really fucking bad yeah. versus which it, I've done. I mean, on an emotional level, exactly. I've never had like a, you know, physical and, fight. And with that's somebody. what I mean by like when we're talking about these making these conscious mistakes right. and like doing you know unhealthy choices yeah. that there is something I think that maybe adds a little bit of like extra sauce to it when you're like doing it in the wild, when you're mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do fucked up things right. a little bit on some level, mm -hmm. but that we could get the same effects out of it if we were taught consent from a young age, like you can find people who want to work out fucked up things with right. each other interestingly because you were saying before that you were a butcher that's uh -huh. like a big idea and i grew up an orthodox jew and that's like part of it is like if you have i'm not saying you do but like mm -hmm. bloodlust or are prone to violence they say like you should become a butcher so it that's is kind interesting of they say these, that on purpose they say mm -hmm. that yeah you find these like that's really smart quote you consensual versions of yeah. the thing the bad thing that you might be drawn I mean, a vegan to. would say there's no consent i know <laughs> but, i i have a hard time with it too um i uh well i, I never animals. i was only part of like one animal slaughter and that's a whole very intense thing oh, i i would well i'd get more into that but but um <laughs> but i think that's really profound what you just said i didn't know that that that's a part of i grew up in like very jewish uh community too i grew oh, yeah. up like yeah I, w I was like one of the few like goys you know i was like mm -hmm. in the in the town but um you know like one to three bar about mitzvahs every weekend in wow. seventh grade kind of yeah. vibe you know and uh, but i never heard that thing and that's I'm really remember the other example of it but i don't but that but like that's the one that i always think of well um, i i um think that's really actually very smart and savvy on a cultural level too because it's like I, I, like <sighs> yes violence is bad violence is universally a bad thing um uh but there's it's real and it's like uh, an impulse in a, in a lot of our bodies because we like survive the ice age and humans only like evolve so fast yeah so it's like not that many generations back that like some part of you that is like able to be comfortable or even attracted to violence was very helpful to mm -hmm. like yourself and the herd and your family and whatever yeah. and to live in a society where you don't have anywhere to put it you don't know what to do with it now yeah i do think what was it, the word you said before you said acceptance and validation validation like i think even that even just being able to go like oh i feel angry i feel rage and i want to like hurt someone mm -hmm. even just being able to accept that and acknowledge that probably puts you in a better position to not take that out on yes somebody. i agree with that i also think we don't gain anything useful by pretending you don't feel ways you feel yeah that doesn't mean doing everything your right. impulses say right um, I, I get in this about like as like a very leftist person and my politics are all like very left. I have this about guns a lot where yeah. I'm like, I can't pretend I don't fucking love guns and like shooting and all the feelings around it. I've done it like on and off throughout my life. And just because I politically might have feelings about it that are different that are like I prefer 
them not to be so accessible and right. so around and whatever. Um, I don't, I always feel like, I feel like a fraud every time if I just shut, if I just shut up and act like, cause I think other people don't have that feeling about guns who are like liberal, whatever. And you know what I mean? And so it's like, how do you, um, I think we get really used to talking about things politically that we don't feel like they're just obvious mm -hmm. and discounting like well there must be a reason other humans have this instinctive different feeling about it that's not that's more than they're just fucking idiots right, right. you know um but that that works on all kinds of emotional levels too processing yeah. with partners or whatever we're like if we it's i really think it's hard for us still to wrap our heads around the possibility that people are different from us right and and like not we can judge only that experience people from our own points of view like right. you can't ever just jump into someone else's head i mean you can try and right. like take a proverbial walk in their shoes but you can you're still only ever coming at it from your limited scope and yeah. experience you can try that metaphor thing that everything is everything as best as you can yeah and you look for like analogous relationships right. i remember like it might have been a stanislavsky book or something like that where there's like it's the dialogue one where it's uh -huh. like it's like a teacher talking with like a student and I think the student is named like the creature or something uh -huh. like that. It's really fucking. It sounds vaguely familiar. So acting book, uh -huh. you know, but um, I probably have it. Yeah, probably it's. But I remember there's a part where someone's like, because I want to say it's like method stuff, too, or something like that, um, which I'm not like a huge proponent of. But like mm -hmm. he does this thing about like, I have to I have to be a killer in this script and I have no idea how I would do that. And da -da -da, I've never killed anyone. Blah, blah, blah. And um, and the person's like. Oh, yes, you have that in you. You know what that is. And they're like, no, I don't. I don't know. But they were like, well, have you ever been like on a hot day in the summer and like a mosquito lands on you and you look at it and you're like, ugh, and you just like smack it and kill it and get rid of it. And he's like, sure. And he goes, there you go. <laughs> like, that's how that person feels about people. That's it. And that's I think that great. that's like useful to think about things yeah. like that. Um, but that going even further than that, like if you, you may have no analogous experience and unlikely, but possibly, and that there could be people who just feel, this is something I think about, like what you were talking about with that, with uh, your relationship, like you have more emotional feelings and they have more logical feelings. I can't help but feel, even with like the most heinous political people ever, I can't help but feel like, oh, that's just because of how they were yes, raised. And if 100%. they only- I mean, I hate Donald Trump. I hate him. But right. I also like sometimes I mean, there was a video of him. What was he doing? Like hitting a volleyball or something. And you can't help but see the fat little kid right. who's just like trying to be cool. And you're like, oh, yeah. and it doesn't justify anything that he's done. But right. my heart breaks for him a little bit because and I always feel kind of bad for the villains in movies. And I know. But then I'm like, is that just us? Part of me is like, is it it's possible that some people are just like more focused on logic in the world and their brain is shaped that way and they don't have the same emotional responses right. you know there's this thing about like um something i read whatever that like basically that a lot of our political feelings are genetically decided and that like um if you think about it in like broad genetic hit legacy terms that like there are two broad mindsets of approaching the universe that would make you better at surviving as a species or mm -hmm. as an organism. One would be the very selfish and very like defense oriented and very like, you know, walling things in and killing foreign things and being like scared all the time, but like strong and that's very conservative, but that right. would probably make you more likely to survive. Mm -hmm. And also being like very oriented towards cooperation and 
caring for the weakest parts of your group mm-hmm. so that they can help more and we can all contribute and take care of each other. And that kind of focus on justice and communication, that would also be a good way to band together and right. survive. And that broadly decides like liberal or conservative. That's so leaning. interesting. I've never heard that because it does yeah. make sense. There's like a survivalist yeah. piece in both. But there's also, of course, undeniably just the exposure that people have too. Right. Like my brother um, went to school with, God, I can't move. I'm forgetting his name. It was David Duke's godson who was like Jesus. primed to be the next. You yeah. know, um, his name will come to me. There's a there's a book about him. Oh, I hate that I'm yeah. forgetting it. But um, my brother and this other guy, because he was a total pariah at school, because everybody knew that he was this right. neo Nazi, and nobody wanted to be seen with him or socialize mm-hmm. with him, and for whatever reason. I'm very proud. My brother and this other guy, both Jews at school, like went out of their way to sort of include him. And I think he just had no other option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they were really nice to him and they didn't talk about it. They didn't bring it up. And then he renounced white supremacy and, you know, has yeah. has been an advocate for Dude. the left. Yeah. It's I watched amazing. this fucking, I forget the name of it. My roommate was watching it uh, and I just sat down and kept watching it. It was like something on Netflix about like the rise of the alt-right in America and stuff. And every one of these people, you meet them like, and a few of them in the course of the documentary, like you meet them and and you're like, they're all just fucking traumatized Mm -hmm. young kids and who like go down this path where they find a place where they have belonging and people telling them they're actually the heroes and they're being held down and people are trying to hurt them all the time, which people are trying to hurt them all the time in their personal experience. It's just that it's like their parents or their like communities. And then they have this outlet and this place to be of belonging and they get to band together and fight and they, you know, and it's like very sad. And, 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 but I guess my thought was like, even leaving that political thing aside, like it's possible and just hard for me to comprehend, but it's possible that like there are just people who are more logic oriented and not emotionally oriented. And, and it's not even about trauma. They just have a practical approach to their universe. That's different. Right. I don't know. It's weird. Cause um, when you get like really abstract and like the idea of like life in the universe, even like we, when we think of life, we only think of it as one thing as this like organic based uh, thing that respirates basically mm-hmm. that's like, you know sugar and oxygen and ATP and like that but like that life could be carbon or that we're carbon based it could be like oh, what's the other one like nitrogen based or something I don't know there's like you know it could be so many other things that we can't even comprehend right, it could be in other right. dimensions that like uh, it still is hard to get out of our personal frame of reference of our point right. of view of the universe and then yeah. i don't really know what to do to reconcile between totally different shaped minds or different you know what i mean yeah i mean i think the awareness is a good place to start it's like just knowing that even if we can't quite understand it knowing that fundamentally my worldview and yours are not exactly alike and we are getting along pretty well and right, like right. able to have a long conversation where we're saying basically the same things and we still aren't going to see things exactly the same way. So yeah. how much more so for somebody who is like a gun toting Trump supporter, right? which isn't to say that all people that like guns, because I, of I, course, of course, well, there's, that, there's that a strong, but... there's a growing group of like gun leftist gun people yeah. too, because I feel like I know a lot of them. Yeah. Well, I think actually, and I feel like a lot of, and we need it because if there's a civil war, it's yeah. very well, scary I feel like to a lot me. of Jewish people are more inclined to understand this because of history, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, <laughs> My brother was like staunchly anti-guns and then Trump won and now he's got Oh yeah, guns. I've had more and more um, anti-gun friends 
feel less and less the, you know yeah yeah <laughs> because because it is weird it's yeah. like you just you start to feel like oh yeah. i mean they're in florida you know it's like you you better oh, yeah. have some guns because all your neighbors do yeah i yeah i mean well we do the whole thing about guns yeah, um it's true i do think that thing what you're just saying i feel like everything is everything is becoming the theme of this yeah whatever hey, but we like found it. that ability to dialogue and understand that everything is everything i i do tap on that a lot in my life for my own personal interactions with myself yeah. also like with the negotiations with my whether it's ADD or depression or something and why I think the physical practices can be so useful like I do think in very corny uh, uh, like super inspo ways overcoming personal boundaries and barriers and like setting new personal best you know getting a stretch you couldn't do or running yeah. a mile faster than you could or lifting weight like I do tap into those and draw on those things go like if i could do that then i can fucking clean yeah. my room today <laughs> yes so building on everything is everything i don't know if you've heard the way you do anything is the way you do everything no i like that one too i love that because and i feel it like and it's every day that i like am pulling myself out of bed i feel like i'm pulling myself to everything you know yeah. or the day where you like run and you beat your personal best you have that attitude the rest of the day oh, yeah dude it's so good yeah that's uh I'll say even in uh, my personal relationship um, where we had this on off thing for so long and it was so like tor torrid and torrential, I was going to say, but torrid and like, um, and probably other aspects of your life were exactly completely the same. chaotic yeah. and the overwhelming feeling tone of it was like, why does this keep happening to me? Mm -hmm. Like, that's where I'll be like, oh, why does this love keep, why does this keep, oh, we just keep falling <laughs> into this thing. Oh, I can't. And um, my whole life felt like that. Why yeah. does this keep happening? And I truly, I came, uh, it was because I came back from Burning Man, which always sounds very funny. But um, <laughs> something, I didn't love everything about it, but yeah. um, I it was an undeniably strange and profound experience wow. for me. But to, partly maybe just because you're in the desert for like 14 days right, without right. any outside like no phone worked like yeah. no calling no I mean, internet good Whew, it was so good and i think being faced with the strangeness of it of like the privilege and the waste and the like performative like whatever's and being mm -hmm. like Ugh, i don't like any of that that's not what i'm here for but also the undeniable beauty and strangeness of like these creations that people yeah. bring there and and the um you the, make me want to go the temporary nature of it like the all of that was like I mean, I fucking grew up doing theater. Like, I love people just dumping. I think this is about sports, too. Like, anybody who's an artsy-fartsy friend who, like, loves weird art, loves music, whatever, I'm like... Think of the absurdity of the resources devoted to a silly game like mm -hmm. the Super Bowl or whatever. And, right. and like, it's just as silly and, and like, compared to, like, I don't know, energy and housing and food and whatever, like, real, quote-unquote, industries would be. Um, I think it's like the same thing as like the beauty of dumping all these resources into like making a movie or making right. a concert. It's so silly right. and temporary and it's all a sandcastle. Yeah. But like we dump, I don't know, I think that's like beautiful and in a weird, cool it way. It is. And, and then the irony I think is so many of us are drawn to film because of its like supposed longevity of yeah. oh this will outlast me so right. it's like the opposite of the ephemeral sandcastle you're like this movie will go on and it's yeah. like i'll never die well that's true except that that except that like, but it is fleeting it's not like everyone's gonna watch that movie forever right well a i've realized for myself and this may just be my frame of reference is like I rarely like rewatch things I've made. Yeah. I realize like I get so bogged down even in the editing of them because I just love the doing of it. Yeah. But also 
this conversation of like, does it hold up? Like when you when you put something in a time capsule, it it might not change, quote unquote, but I think it inherently changes right, because it, it dialogues. Yeah, it dialogues with its environment. Right. So it can seem like it's not a sandcastle. Right. But watch a fucking indie movie from the 90s and see the dialogue that they get away with compared to like the woke culture now and be like oh my god people love this fucking movie this movie would get like destroyed on twitter yes um that movie has changed even though it hasn't changed but our experience will have changed our experience of that movie will change yeah and you realize context is like so much a part of you know that i guess that might be like saying like the sand doesn't change even if the castle does yeah the sand castle is washed away by the waves like right the The sand goes somewhere right it just doesn't look that way anymore yeah that is a really nice analogy i like that a lot wow that was weird um (laughs) the uh but the thought was the burning man thing and afterwards was like I came back and with uh, I, I missed uh, Allie so much during that. And I was like, I was just like, I basically my attitude was like, I want to stop acting like I'm not picking this. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm choosing oh. this. I choose you. I yeah. choose these feelings. This has always been what I've been doing and acting like I'm not. Yes. And even that about like my whole life that translates out. Yeah. Acting like I'm not picking the weird gray area of why doesn't anybody pick me or why isn't anything happening to me or why do things happen to me and blah blah, blah. you know what i mean oh, yeah i and love that, that that's just an attitude shift i mean i have but, kind of an excuse right now because i did just have surgery and i'm recovering course. but i am still choosing every day to just sit around and watch friends and I, i'm yeah. allowing that right now I, but i don't think that's bad yeah it's okay right now yeah. but it is like a really good reminder that beyond this Every day, it's a choice. And yeah. sometimes, yeah, you got to make that choice to, in, in the interest of self-care to sit in front of the TV and that's okay. Yeah, I, I'm but at a certain point, you can't feel like, God, nothing's happening for me because yeah. you're choosing to just sit there. There's a very, on that same token of, I doubt it holds up now, 90s indie movies and I can't, you know, whatever. But there's a movie I watched called The Tao of Steve when uh-huh. I was like, with Donal Logue, I think is his uh-huh. name, or whatever. And it's like about this guy who's like a, some kind of philosophy student, but like slacker, does nothing with his life, but like doesn't feel the pressure about it. Everybody's, he's like, it's it's sort of like Lebowski, but like a different. But I watched I watched that movie again last night, and like because it was on Netflix or something, and I was like, it's so fucking. I just it love holds it. up. It's I think it really holds up. It's Might it's like it. it's weirdly biblical. Yeah, like it's very I, like the Coen brothers are always gonna be Coen brothers, but like I don't know. There's something about it that it does feel like. Yeah, biblical is the best way I can describe it. Like yeah. these figures, I think it's so like watching it and try to imagine like writing it or coming up with it and being like, this is what it's gonna be about and this is how it's gonna go. Yeah, is so strange. Like imagining oh, like it. like how would you cast Jeff Bridges and be like, and you should gain some weight and you're gonna be this guy and the uh, idealize and ideate those characters is so yeah. impressive to me because it's so deft. Yeah, and like the comedy even in it, like. You know, when we do comedy, I'm sure you have a similar experience. I think it's a common thing. You're like trying to crack each other up. You're like, and you're doing that. You're being very funny. And like, but even when you watch popular movies like Will Ferrell movies or Adam McKay movies or whatever, like um, there's a vibe to them. Those Seth Rogen, all those movies, there's a vibe to them of them trying to crack each other up and be funny. And there's something very subtly different going on in that movie with like um, the guy who plays Jesus, you know, the bowler Uh or like or Steve Buscemi in that movie. God, like, I, I haven't seen it in so... I'm not sure if I've I ever know. seen it straight really? through. Yeah. Check it out. I mean, you know... It's also I, one of those quintessential it, boy it movies. It is such a boy movie. Mm-hmm. But there's like a... a, a Philip Seymour Hoffman and choices oh, he makes in that, that movie. In yeah, he's wow. like so fucking I'll funny. I'll watch it. 
Yeah, and it's like, but it's so funny, but done kind of like Fargo's like this too, where it's mm-hmm. so funny, but it's done in this like serious acting way, yeah. like the choices we're making, and we're still doing this. Yeah. It's like a thing. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I just watched In Bruges yesterday for the first time. Oh, did you like it? I thought it was great. I liked it a lot. I haven't seen it in a long time. I should watch it again. It, it I guess, holds up. But there yeah. are like we were talking about some jokes that are harder. I still right. laughed at them, right. but they're like more tasteless now. Well, I'm but- getting. I'm. I'm more and more into that too, where I'm like, I'm trying to. I'm writing some things right now. And I'm like almost purposely trying to put some jokes that like I want people to laugh at and then feel bad that yeah. they laughed at it and then be like, oh, make I, them feel bad about themselves. Kind of, well, just to quest, just to like stop, uh, kind of on this token of like validation and acceptance. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's good to just willy nilly do things that hurt people or right. or cultivate humor that is like oppressive. Yeah. But um, I think it's not helpful to just make people like like build into them um uh what do you call it like triggery like responses that go like don't say that stuff don't make those right and don't reflect on those feelings that are underneath them and don't try to figure out why you think that's Mm -hmm. funny and don't you know what i mean and why you've learned that that's bad like instead of thinking oh this is bad because it actually has a history of oppressing these people you're just like that's bad i've learned yeah like that's bad bad. i could lose a career over that yes exactly i think that sucks yeah it's true Um, and because also, the fear outweighs the sort of moral value. Yeah, and also because like there is value in some t- in distasteful humor. There, mm-hmm. there is value in like laughing at some degree to some degree about. I don't know it's just revelatory about human the human condition. Right. I just watched Sopranos. I had never yeah, seen yeah. it. Did you have you watched? That I watched series? it when I was a kid. I watched it like all. When it's I was- very good. I wonder how it would be made now. Like Tony Soprano is is anti-semitic he is yep. racist yeah um so he says a lot of things that are offensive but to me somehow more offensive would be to like have him not be those things because right. you're dealing with this like italian mafioso who's coming with all sorts of prejudices yeah. so you're whitewashing isn't the right word but like um sanitizing yes. in a way that doesn't feel honest and yeah. it's not condoning his behavior he's right. like for all intents and purposes a bad guy right. he's not a good dude but i feel like nowadays people will be like oh this is problematic tony soprano doesn't like the jews or the blacks it's right like, but tony Soprano's not what we aspire to be yeah exactly i i think a thing someone uh in a reflection on that on that show and another whatever podcast show i listen to like made this point that I thought was like so profound about one of the things that's great about that show is like it it showed mobsters as they truly are, which is like the it's it's not glamorous. It's right. like the thing that they're killing people and stealing from people mm-hmm. and doing stuff, doing all this crime to do is to like hang out in like shittily decorated houses and right. like cul-de-sac McMansions yeah. and like have these little like, you know, cheapo like businesses that they steal you know what i mean it's like and they're just these people living in this kind of like suburbia in jersey yeah and it's like a weird and just so they can like hang out with their buddies and like play cards and smoke and their downtime all you know right and then they're still not immune to like i love that anthony soprano jr has he gets really depressed at the end like tony doesn't know how to those kids are like those are just kids of privilege in the modern age. Right, they're not right. like anything different than their peers. Right. They just happen to have these parents who are like of a different time and generation and do do crime. And who also don't communicate about it. And so there's this yeah. sense that something is wrong, but not knowing what it is. They're well, not I also like, think there's something appealing from like a broader like first world capitalism perspective of those kind of move of the shows, whatever that show in particular, that is like 
so many like people that we don't think of as like bad guys, like mm-hmm. politicians or people who are lobbyists or who work in pharmaceuticals or food or insurance or any of these industries that like destroy people, even like Apple, right? Like yeah. you, all your phones are made by slaves, you know, <laughs> like on some level, the mm-hmm. cobalt's getting mined by slaves. It's like horrible. Yeah. But like, it's like, oh, it's like considered fine because that's like the mores and, and the norms of your time. And you're just a businessman and you just go to work and do business and you're distanced from it and it's like tony's like that in that show yeah like he very rarely does any like killing or anything himself like that would fuck up the business like you couldn't Mm -hmm. that would implicate him too much you know he just kind of like collects money and does his job and tells other people to do things and then goes home to his suburban family and tries to like make that work yeah and that does feel very like and a very appropriate analogy to like (laughs) it's all of us it's not even just like the businessman because i remember the first time i saw schindler's list and there's this feeling of like whatever frivolous expenses whatever he spends money on that isn't saving the jews he comes to regret and is like you know i've actually never seen that movie oh oh well worth watching yeah um but i do it like every time and it's not like i'm spending a bunch on clothes Mm -hmm. but like when I do buy a jacket or paying for my HBO or right. like that's money that I'm not dedicating toward like yeah. the hungry or the homeless. Yeah, or- I know what you mean. But that that becomes the whole strangeness of like like even this idea of like that we're supposed to like feel guilt that we haven't been productive because we're doing self-care. Like yeah. that's not real like you're supposed to oh that was a roundabout thing i don't think so at all i mean like there's this um it's not intrinsically wrong necessarily but it's also like not right i don't know maybe it is kind of wrong I don't think so. Well, okay. This guy, uh, actually Nick again said this thing that I thought was, cause I was like questioning in the thing, a lot of, you know, standard, like when we approach a mental, mental health and, and stuff, a lot of it is around like kind of some, uh, sort of often unspecified, but broadly accepted ideas of what a good person is like a healthy, functional person mm-hmm. is. And that part of it is being productive. And yeah. that like this idea is like questioning, like, is that really like, that's a weird metric. If you think about it, it does feel like a very ingrained capitalist idea. Like, are you productive? How productive right. are you? Yeah. Are you a good worker or a good producer? And I question the value of that inherently from like a spiritual level. Like, and a lot of religions do have that in them. Um, You know, puritanical ones and Christian and Protestant ones are all about like work has its own reward and being, you know, humble and hardworking and blah, blah, blah. Uh, And I brought that up to him and he basically said, he's like, I don't think, and I I thought this was interesting way to look at it like that he doesn't think necessarily that that's true that it's important that you're productive to be happy he just hasn't met anybody who is that way who doesn't need to be productive yeah who to like be happy. who like yes exactly that yeah. being that some kind of productivity doing something with your life and time right. that creates something that you're proud of and feel good about yeah that that isn't inherently part of being happy right and i think that that is sounds true based on my personal experience that being said i think what you personally feel is the thing you'd like to improve or create or be produced could be as simple as being a better version of yourself creating a space to be happy Mm -hmm. um, something like that you know yeah i mean i might get a massage and feel like i've been productive yes because it was like i did a thing that i needed to do yes for myself and i think that that 
um, I don't know, I guess like maybe the language that we use, like even just saying productive feels like weirdly corrosive because it's like commodifying immediately. Right. But that that idea of what you just said, like it can be quote unquote productive. It can be, yeah. um, I don't know, what would be the word then? Like enhancing or something, right. you know, to like a positive thing i try right. to sometimes maybe it's just because i'm like libra or whatever uh -huh. but i do think of the universe as like net good net bad are you creating uh -huh. good or are you creating bad is it creating light energy or dark energy and it's basically is this stuff that creates more space and more kindness and more love and more good things in the universe or is this like corrosive and shitty and i think it can boil down to as simple as like am i choosing love or fear inside of myself yeah. am i am i being shitty and and jealous or am i being like happy and expansive for other yeah. people and like that in its self can create more my weird personal metric and to me i don't know maybe it's like that of just like are you creating more light in your right. universe or less and that was the thing from the weird and that's 90s productive versus destructive yes maybe. that's how it feels yeah. to me that was the the, the donal Logue thing that was in the movie the thing that stuck with me always was like he was like how he's a slacker and like does nothing or whatever is like um he was like, why is like that? Basically, there's this exoticizing about the idea of uh of enlightenment mm -hmm. and that um like a like a sort of like xenophilia like if you go like fucking sit on a mountain in tibet and like pray all day like that means you oh then you're like enlightened and, do, and you're actively being an enlightened person but if you just like sit around in america in a city and kind of chill and like work part-time and whatever and are happy and fine then you're just like lazy and yeah. he's like why why, why do they have to be different yeah and like why isn't it possible that the guy in tibet is like his maybe had two options and one of them was like carry heavy shit up to the mount Everest <laughs> base camp for fucking foreigners and right. the other one was like or just like pray and chill all day yeah and like pick that one right uh you know what i mean that just humans are humans yeah and then i think that we have to like and that's why i guess i like the dude too is like there's this idea of like you can like zen can take whatever shape right you can look like you're doing nothing and be praying meditating reflecting yeah whatever yeah or maybe even like yeah, there's a way that you could just be kind of doing nothing, but you're just living in flow. Like you're right, living in a balanced right. state that's like fine. I've found like with writing, some of my best ideas will come from just lying there and basically like daydreaming about the thing I'm working on. Yeah. Or the scene that I'm stuck on. Yeah. And it's hard now living with someone Dude, because yes. it looks like I'm doing nothing. Yes. I look so lazy. Do you and Allie live together? Uh, we don't. No. But um. But sometimes when she's around, maybe you feel more of that pressure to oh, look like sure. you're. Yeah. For sure. It's like Amir does. He's an artist, but he does the nine to five and then and i might just it. be he does it yeah he does yeah it. i don't know i think with your writing though i think a lot of writers relate to that thing though too of like that time staring into space and making coffee is is it, work yes it really is especially if you have a rhythm of like i mean i i, I maybe i just fall back on this too hard and it's way self-aggrandizing to do but you know like amadeus the movie amadeus uh -huh. and like when mozart's like oh it's already written and they're like, oh, can I see it? And he goes, oh, no, I mean, it's it's not on, it's up here. I need to write it down. But yeah. I've it's all in my head. I got it. I kind of feel that way. Yeah. Like sometimes I don't even start writing till I've like figured it all out in my Dude, head. I will sometimes start writing and it's a waste of time because yeah. I haven't figured it out. Totally. Like I have the opposite because I'm like, I need to be like, we're talking about that particular use of the word. I need to be productive. So if I've written five pages, then I can say I've been productive, but I'm going to trash those five pages because oh, yeah. I didn't spend the 40 minutes. That does relate to the self care thing directly mm -hmm. too. And like a way that manifests a lot. I think uh, for people I know is I'm like knowing when to stop, like mm -hmm. knowing when you'd be like, my deadline is tomorrow morning. <laughs> I should write till 4am. Instead of being like, nah, I should go to sleep now, turn it in three, four hours late, and then the pages that I write in the morning will be good, and I won't just have to rewrite them anyway. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like knowing when you're past the point of doing anything valuable yes. anyway. 
I used to be the worst about it. I've been better lately, but like I would just get high mm -hmm. and stay up convincing myself that I was like doing something yeah. and then I would just eat and get higher and yeah. then eat and I go get back higher. and forth. Sometimes the, the substances, which we'll use this as a segue, I think, but yeah. um, substances can be so tricky like the management of them when they're not managed by a professional and right. also when they are managed by a professional like they're just a fucking person too a person right. with a lot more context and yes. education hopefully uh, an experience of seeing a lot of people come to their doors so they can like help but you but also the only one who really knows is you you know right. if you're abusing the substance and you can tell them that you're not or you can yeah. tell yourself you're not but deep down you're like yeah. am i just using this as a way to put off what i'm trying to do right or am i using this as a way to get in touch yeah. with myself marijuana it's the same thing as like sitting there like you can be sitting there and be a total waste of space and you'll feel like shit for it or you can be sitting there and you're actually yep. doing the work in yep. your head uh i think like they look the same but yeah. they're such different things i do think of marijuana sometimes i used to think of alcohol more this way too but i i didn't drink this year like at all like it was like one time i drank this year um but i purposely just stopped uh but like I do think of it sometimes like a, as like a chisel, like a yeah. weird, like one of the tools that I have for yeah, my brain yeah. and like if something's stuck or, or whatever, or there's a kind of, and sometimes it really works. Sometimes yeah. it like, you can use it to like apply pressure to a certain part of your ideation or just your ability to like sit totally. down and flow. Um, but sometimes it just like is yeah. misguided. I like chisel as a word because yeah, it like it can, it's just another tool. And especially when I felt stuck, I think sometimes it just takes the pressure off because I'm like, well, I'm high now, so yeah. it doesn't have to be good. And just that lets yeah. me do the work that I was like too crippled to do. Yes, by fear. Uh, and now I'm like, oh, I can try. But the problem there is then I convince myself that I can only do the work with it. And I'm like, I need this chisel. Um, and that can be a really dangerous cycle for me. Yes. I think that is, well, that's very self-aware. Yeah. And like, you can and you cultivate that like self-awareness around it. That's like, you're probably okay. Well, I do notice that I kind of have to stop. I have to, I, I'm so bad at moderation that I'll just yeah. be like, I can't um, yeah. and have to figure out how to not use it at all because it stops being a tool <sighs> and like starts too. being I'm terrible. I have to go and like whatever <clears throat> I'm doing, the moderation thing is a challenge for me. I'm really not good at it. Yeah. It's I go, really hard. Well, for that's me. why I, some of this like and I mean, this is only this last year. This idea of like choosing my life yeah. is a new thing for me. That's awesome. It's it is. It's different. And I I'm not good at it every day and I'm not good at it every week. But um. And it sounds so fucking corny to like, it's almost like annoying to begrudgingly be like, all right, all those people who like have like <sighs> habits and like <laughs> good schedules and keep them and that helps them be productive. You're just like, fuck, they're onto something with yeah. some of that. But I also think it's, it's, you shouldn't be unfair to yourself, but the reality of like the fact that it didn't occur to you or didn't work for you right away or ever yeah. feel natural doesn't make you fucked up. Like, I almost feel like it's like they had so they had that superpower to start with, maybe right. like they had that thing. Um, but and we they have to work harder to get there. Right. So it's more impressive in a sense when yeah. we do it. Well, also, potentially their maybe their journey now is those people need to work on the thing that you already have. Right. Which is your ability to like think abstractly and think of like strange and imaginative weird things and yeah. and live in your sensations so much that it can that it can cripple you like. Yeah. 
that those are things that maybe people who instinctively are able to be like quote unquote disciplined and boundaried and have things, they may struggle with that. And it's like their task now later in life to cultivate that wild thing. Right. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. But anyway, like it's not like one is necessarily better. They're just different. Yeah. They're like parts of just how a person can be. Right. Um, let's segue then. Let's do it. Let's do six quick cues. So okay. um, you, the first one is like the, label one like have you been diagnosed with anything if you haven't uh what do you struggle with and that one i've been diagnosed with the things that i struggle with um it was add at the time but now they're calling it adhd yeah i know i don't really split hairs yeah so adhd i guess and uh depression and then anxiety more recently um and you know what's interesting though I, I i do not split the hair about the add adhd thing but i guess it does the h part does more accurately describe like the issue at hand for me yeah my lived the hyperactivity thing yeah uh and and specifically like they talk about like an adult adhd especially like the internal hyper arousal that you experience and mm-hmm. that like a lot of grown-ups i don't know about this like what is it like for you um but like for me often you know, I'll, I'll be like on sometimes externally, but usually it's more of a, a, a an internal sense of like everything is so massive and so impossible and so like yeah. ah, like all yeah. the time. I would have guessed, but but obviously this is not correct. I would have guessed that ADD would be more the umbrella and ADHD would be more specific. So I I should really research it because I don't understand yeah. why because it doesn't feel like a hyper but like by the way that I've understood that hyperactivity to mean but I do have that same yeah like everything is so massive and overwhelming to where in high school I remember coming home and being like how am I going to do this I have to do my homework I have to take a shower I have to call this person back like and each thing that's how I feel still big yeah yeah that is literally what they say uh about it is is that you basically one of the things that we lack if you have ADHD is um the ability to prioritize basically like everything is equally massive. Yeah. So like the thing you need to do for work is as massive as like doing the dishes, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. And it's weird to be like, Oh, that's a thing that's wrong with me. That's not just like, I'm bad at prioritizing when I'm good, uh, when I'm being good, when I'm doing my habits that help me, I make very specific lists in the morning, like as simple as like take a shower and like Mm -hmm. do the dishes and then things I need to do also. Yeah. But just writing it all out on a piece of paper like is so fucking helpful. It is helpful even just to get it out of my head and onto something I can look at. Totally. I have um, I I take Adderall as needed, but it's like next to never like I've I've had pitches and I took Mm -hmm. like half of one on those days. But Mm -hmm. I do feel such a difference. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is what it must be like to feel like a normal person. That was how I felt the first time I did it. Also, do you neurotypical. Take I do take Adderall. I take it um, pretty much every day. Okay, cool. Um, I take a small. I take ten milligram pills, and I feel like I probably should just be taking it. Most well, days. I I told my therapist that I was like, or my psychiatrist, I was like, when I wanted, I was like, yeah, I take it sometimes. I was told to take one. I think I started at half and half, like 10 for the whole day, half, mm-hmm. pill, half, pill, and then I went to one and then half. And then, um, sometimes I do one and one. Um, but I told her, I was like, yeah, but sometimes I have days I don't have to do stuff and I don't, you know, and she was like, mm. she was like, with a lot of psychiatric drugs, it's good to like have it in your system. Like it's, it's part of like getting nor- like the My same way with an antidepressant said, um, specifically with Adderall that even people who do take it daily will usually take it like five times 
a week and not every day. And that, I don't well, know see, why. I, I, you know, she was like, take it every, pros, every day. I'm doing air quotes. She's yeah, like, take yeah. it every day, but take it, you know, five times a week. Don't take it every day. Okay. Well, and do, do you, you know what your, how big the, what your dosages are? No, I can check. I'm, you don't have to. I haven't touched curious. in a while. Oh, it's also because I started taking other new meds. So I was like yeah. kind of trying to figure out exactly what's doing what. I'd probably yeah, and probably want to muddy I, them. I do think maybe, and I, she thinks she said this to mine at least, and we're not doctors. So whatever, yeah. obviously do what your doctor says. But, um, do what your doctor says, but also like listen to your own body. You yeah. know what I mean? If it's like fucking with you, then yes. stop. But uh but the I, anti- I do think like some of the antidepressants are, are more important that they're like in you, that you like have yeah. this steady steadily, especially probably with some of the like SSRIs and SNRIs, mm-hmm. which I was like learning a little bit more. I don't take one of those. I take what's called a tetracycline. It's um mirtazapine, it's called. Oh. Helps you sleep a little bit. Do you um, take it at or night? Or tricyclic. I don't something like that. I take it at night. Oh yeah, I've heard of tricyclic before. It's, it's one of those terms. I'm yeah. probably fucking the terms up. But um I also don't know nearly as much as I should. I was, I took, uh, I, when I was first diagnosed with depression, they put me on Zoloft. I was like 10 Mm. and then I, it gave me stomach aches. And then maybe by like 11, I saw a different psychiatrist who said ADD and depression and put me on Wellbutrin, which I took for like almost 20 years. Did it help you? Um, it did. It really helped, but I think it was making my anxiety worse. So he was like, hmm. the reason that I've chosen Wellbutrin is because it's also used to treat ADD. Mm-hmm. So now that I've switched in the last like six months um, is why I'm like kind of figuring out the ADD management course because mm-hmm. I don't have that yet, but I also have a lot of trouble sleeping. And um, Yeah, the ADHD management... I will say physical practices, I think, help a lot. Yeah. If you can get something, I just, I just think it's helpful. Yeah. But um, like some sort of activity. Yeah, just something. Any, whatever. I just advise anybody, like, if there's any kind of physical practice that like you feel vaguely attracted to, whether it's yoga or Pilates or running or lifting weights or boxing or whatever. If it seems like, oh, I always thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, lean into that and try that yeah. out, and just cultivate what feels good for you. But something that uses your muscles, gets your blood up uses your lungs and gets you sweating just like something in that process i I don't know just seems so you definitely sleep better the best sleep i ever have had in my life is like when i was doing heavy lifting cycles Mm -hmm. and you're just really exhausting your body yeah damn you sleep like a fucking brick i gotta start again i mean that's the other thing so i've had all these like stomach issues and all these health issues but there Mm -hmm. is such a tie between your gut and your like psychic state oh yeah um big time yeah you have like ibs and stuff yeah yeah i've had that like my whole fucking life me too i had a colonoscopy in high school really like i've had one i should go to the doctor more for it i've just had it i've never really like I, that was when I was diagnosed was with my yeah. colonoscopy in high school. But since then, I've had I've seen like, you know, weird doctors mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of doctors be like, oh, you just need to be on an antidepressant. And I'm like, fuck you. I am. Mm. Um, and there's other. Real well, yeah, because your gut makes all your serotonin. It makes like 90 yeah. percent of your serotonin. So there is like a they're definitely linked. And I believe in the mind body connection. But there's definitely also like a food component that I'm still sort of figuring out. And yeah, I've had to cut out gluten, which makes me feel very well, L.A. But I've done that. I've done phases of that. I yeah. actually recently did a blood test. Um, mm-hmm. And then they were like, you're not allergic to wheat. And it was different than a celiac test, which yeah. is like you have to like be eating celiac to detect if you have it. And I don't think I have true celiac because... If you do, you're like puking or yeah. shitting your brains out from the smallest amount. Of, like if you really have it, 
I don't have celiac, but they did a test for it's like components that are in gluten, like gelatin and gliadin. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a spike in my blood. There's some yeah. sort of, and I am kind of shitting my brains out a lot. Well, yeah, which I is am why too. I feel like I'm kind of. But it's like different. That's that's what it's become to me. It's like it's all kind of the same, and I can't really tell rhyme or reason. Like some, there are times where I'll like I'll be saying fuck it again. I'm eating pizza. and I have like the best shits of my life, and you just don't <laughs> yeah, know. Right. I do think it's so related to our um, mental. States. Yeah, now but I will have times more. where I'm like feeling really good mentally and like shit physically or vice versa. So yeah, it's I'm, weird. I'm, it's hard to know. It's hard. It's probably half the time it is psychological, and then the other half it's like some weird food. Well, when I was a kid, something. I really felt like I just took any problems my family or had in my life, anything, and I just felt like it went right to my guts. Yeah, I just had like these. I mm-hmm. mean, I have like I'll be in the middle of uh, horrible arguments, and I just feel like falling asleep. Yeah. Like, and I know my body's having these physical reactions or your yeah. gut just starts hurting. You start getting burpy and mm-hmm. it's weird, man. I don't know. I, I think about a lot about just the idea of inflammation now. Yeah. And that's why I think cutting gluten or cutting sugar, things like that can help is like I've now I've come to visualize it just basically like like a video game or something. It's like my my um, inflammation bar. Mm-hmm. And it's just like how much infl- if you, if everything you're eating is inflammatory, it's going to get crazy. Right. But right. like I can do a little bit of bread and especially it's a good quality or mm-hmm. I can do a little bit of this. And if you just moderate it, the one thing you should listen to Ali's uh, to the ologies podcast about microbiome. OK, it's a microbiologist. It's just like your gut biome. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's really fucking that. interesting. OK, cool. And one of the things she said on there that I've been thinking about a lot that I still got to get better at, but is like um, the doctor was like saying that more than probiotics she thinks like it's important to eat a great diversity of like prebiotic fibers which basically just means vegetables yeah. just like a lot of good vegetables and that like different kinds of fibers and vegetables feed different kinds of bacteria Interesting. and yeah and so just if eating like a variety of vegetables. vegetables can like have a really profound effect on your gut it's so crazy because um probiotics are always heralded as like the thing but yeah. i was diagnosed with SIBO, which is basically like an overgrowth is it like c diff no, but my brother has Oof. had C diff. He also had um has has uh Does he still co- have ulcerative it? colitis. So Ooh. his colon is gone now. Oh my god. And he's like my younger like brother. Literally gone? Mm-hmm. They oh removed no. his whole colon. He has a pouch and then he got pouchitis. I mean, like oh, geez, there's bad Louise. stuff yeah. in, in my family. We have gut stuff. Yeah. Definitely like my brother and I. I Definitely mean, listen to the spot because have you heard of like fecal transplants? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Somebody was recommending i get one i mean yeah. it sounds so horrible it sounds horrible but apparently life-changing yeah. like it can just like fix people have you ever thought about it oh you thought about it yeah. yeah i don't know i don't know how to even go about doing it yeah same and i don't know apparently what really the only you... way they legally can do it is for like c diff and stuff like that it's gotcha. like still like experimental stuff right but there's like this whole thing about there's like this guy who just hacked it himself and changed wow. his fucking life like and wow. it's gross to think about but yeah. like basically had a friend who has good healthy gut and asked yeah. for some of their shit and made his own pills and did this whole thing and wow I think usually on the, on the on the medical one i think they like take heavy doses of antibiotics to like basically destroy everything in your gut mm-hmm. and then you Start take it fresh yeah anyway that sounds crazy yeah. but i think like I, there I'm, is a real I'm super link. into it yeah. yeah mind body so it's like a weird thing where you don't want to discount it but you also don't want to listen to the people that are like it's all in your head yeah which well, is 90 percent of the doctors that i had encountered yeah. on the uh everything is everything kind of tip i i have been thinking about like it's weird to think like your body who you are your sense of self and your consciousness and your presence is not just obviously your brain it's like a gajillion cells but then it's also like trillions of living bacteria inside of you and their byproducts Mm -hmm. and what they do and in that same sense sometimes i like to think of like 
whatever God is, like the idea of like a God is just the collective will of like the billions of living things on the earth. Yeah. And that like we co-create something with that. that. I feel that way. Yeah. I always feel like God is, is everything. It's like me and you and the space in between yes. and somebody built and designed this couch that I'm sitting on and the pillow Completely. you're leaning on. And it's like all of it, everything, the sum total of everything Yes, is God or whatever you want I to call agree. it. I agree so much with that. This is great. The world consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second question is on that same time you started to already answer it, but like is like medication you've tried so yes. like butrin adderall you tried zoloft adderall um i took this is crazy uh i took there's a new drug called um uh a plensin and it's basically like an up it's well butrin but with this like updated uh mm. delivery mechanism and yeah. it's new enough that the insurance companies can't sub in generic so you get the name brand cool so uh and and it's the same as Wellbutrin is how it was described to me. And if you look it up, that's what the internet so says. Is Wellbutrin, do you know, is it an SNRI? It's an atypical, but I can't remember exactly what that means. I think it's an, oh, I don't know. I'll, I, know I don't want to say anything. I, I know, know it's an atypical drug, but yeah. I don't remember what the classification yeah. is. Uh, we can look it well, up. Whatever. But this is supposed to be that same thing, only the the delivery mechanism is like slightly updated but because i'd had this like 20 years on wellbutrin like this was obviously going to be fine for me and uh i took it and i started having panic attacks and mm. i became suicidal oh my god and i wasn't even connecting that it was this drug because i had been on wellbutrin for so long without any real problems i did have like occasional panic attacks but like a couple times a year not like this yeah. was like happening like like every day for Fuck. it just started like getting really bad um and i in general i'm probably kind of convinced that like the world is against me and people hate me and whatever but this was like so amplified mm -hmm. um it was really problematic and i have a friend chloe who you should have on she's uh amazing because she's um why am i forgetting that word you know uh when you think everything is wrong with you ocd uh no but that's a good guess um, um hypochondriac hypochondriac yeah, yeah. yeah so she's like very well researched her dad's a doctor and she's really good at like pinpointing and diagnosing and she was like go to your psychiatrist tell her you should not be on wellbutrin you should not be on this aplensin like you should be on a straight ssri because these atypical drugs are making your anxiety worse and your anxiety is worse than your depression and chloe's like my most depressed friend and has mm -hmm. struggled with depression since same i mean i started at like 10 and she probably started at like seven um and wow. she was like try an ssri and so i went back to my psychiatrist and I had already started taking something for panic attacks. So I wasn't even like thinking, oh, I need to change everything that I'm on. I was like treating the new symptoms caused by the drugs, which is so fucked up. Um, and then I got on Prozac mm -hmm. uh, on like a starting dose. I can't remember how much I'm taking, but not a lot. And it's been so much better. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, a lot better. I mean, I still how have... Did you, how did you like w like know to tell your doctor or like how did you connect that this was so bad for you? You know what I mean? Like how did you connect this new Chloe, medication? She's really... Oh, just her being like she, pointing it out? Yeah, because she has so much experience with it and she was like... When I would normally check in to see how she's doing, uh, she's also does comedy and has a lot of like jokes about suicide mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. really dark stuff and we've kind of like bonded over um, uh, some sort of fixation on suicide yeah, i'm sorry if i like repeated something you literally answered right oh, moments no, no, before okay. i was just like because i was kind of like thinking about something you were saying at the same time i get it i, I do it too yeah but she she really kind of put it yeah. together more than like my psychiatrist did or my therapist it's very or my, hard yeah. to like while you're living in it i think that is a, a good 
thing to think about is like have people that you trust in your life yeah. paying attention. But it's harder, you know, I lucked into Chloe. Like it's hard to deliberately find one. Especially when you're like ADHD uh, on top of it. Cause you're yeah, like, I don't connect those. Yeah. Things. It's hard to, yeah. It's hard to like be like, I'm feeling really different right now. It's the medication. Yeah, like that well, did not occur to me well, at even all. Even to run through the pro the thing in your head of like what has what inputs have changed? Like right. what advice? What's different? Right. Uh, I was like, hard. I'm just realizing just that everything inventory. is even shittier than I thought yeah. for all of these years. Like it yeah. just felt like some rude awakening to like the cruelty of the universe. Even though I always felt pretty aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was not connecting. That, that's well, what it was. did you start when Trump got elected too? It definitely got worse. <laughs> I think um, it got worse for like yeah. a lot of people. Yes. I hope the world. I hope we fucking turn it around man i think we i'm starting to feel the littlest bit hopeful yeah i don't know me too lately. i saw something on reddit today about like a thousand different organizations like removing investment from fossil fuels and oh just, good so i mean you know i'm hoping that like it really is a small cabal of rich idiots who are yeah. like driving us towards the edge but that most of humanity is gonna go like no no yeah <laughs> we all like i to hope so survive. too amen your mouth to god's ears yeah, which is fucking... me and you in this space in between absolutely <laughs> that's god's ears uh oh well that's good on the third one what's something cheesy you find inspiring that's the third quick cue Ooh, ooh, this one's i feel like the only one that i don't really have i, I don't know, know. It can be tricky um you know what there's a book called Happier by Tal Ben Shahar mm -hmm. um, that I really like and strongly recommend. Okay. Uh, that I haven't finished. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> but fine. the first half. Books yeah, exactly. That's like. Did you ever read? Did you know that book was like really trendy? The um, life changing magic of tidying yes. up. Yes. I think there's. I think literally though. I don't think you even have, like. I think just the concept in the book. If you if something does not bring you joy when you touch it, yep. get rid of it. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole book. I agree with that. That's a great example of you something know? that's cheesy yeah. but that works. Sure. But yeah. I mean, it's funny to think like I just think like it was like this was a great idea that this woman had and should get out in the universe yeah and so like just to, but you kind of like have to write more of a book just to right. have something to you sell you can't just be like here are my two sentences <laughs> you'd like, yeah you'd be like here <laughs> like literally like it's literally just that one line yeah could be the whole book it's true that yeah. is the main thing also she has like a very specific folding method and i do kind of oh, do fair. it yeah so I when i open my drawers that. it's like a file like all my shirts are like bup, oh bup, that's bup, cool bup. yeah it's a process i think like yeah. i mean Meaning like I just recently I'm going through another purge where I was just like, I got to do this again. I got to do, do this it. again. Yeah. She does have very specific instructions of like, take everything out of your mm -hmm. closet, touch everything. That's what I did. I can't do it because the, the thought of having to put things back on hangers and fold things is yeah. so overwhelming to me. It's funny because I have been kind of in a stasis over the last, it's going very slowly. I would like mm -hmm. a very good, a lot of progress on the first day and then yeah. kind of slept on a lot of laundry for several <laughs> days after. Now finally the closet's back together, but I still have like huge contractor bags full of like, this one's for Crossroads, this right, one's for Goodwill, right. this one's for garbage. Yep. So whatever, it's a process, it's but it's good process. to start, you know, it feels good. This is good where it's hard to live with somebody who's clean and neat and who's going to be like, this is unacceptable. You can't live like this because I, you know. Yeah, but that's also going to be good. Like, isn't that good yes, though? Because yes, it keeps you. Exactly. It's um, both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, the fourth one is what's something dark. Oh, what's the book? Happier, by the way. Happier. Yeah. What was it about the book? It's, what was the um, thing? It's that it's, you know, I've read some stuff that feels like very scientific and then some stuff that feels very like woo woo, yeah. new agey. And this is a really good balance. Mm -hmm. um, he was like one of the leading. He he taught the happiness course at Harvard, although I've oh. like read. There's also another one called the happiness advantage, which is also by somebody who like taught a course at Harvard. So I don't know oh. who really started it. Sure. Um, but but it was it's really helpful because he I think you get as much out of it as you put in there are exercises mm -hmm. that are so annoying to do but then every time i would do them i would feel better you got one that you think of 
Yeah, the main one is like journaling. Yeah. So that's my recommendation for later too. But he talks specifically, but I hate doing it. And then I always feel so much better once I do it. Yeah. People like that. People love doing that artist's way thing. Right. Three days, three pages every morning. I haven't done it. I should try it. I've never done it either. No. And he talks about, yeah, they do. He talks specifically about, and I liked this because it was so specific and clear that journaling about positive and negative experiences make you happier. So mm-hmm. it's not just like writing down, like trying, what's the bright side? Uh, today, these good things happened. Um, but writing down the good and the bad. And then yeah. you kind of, I don't know, feel cleansed of it in some way. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I really I really like it. And he's smart and it's good. Well, um, the next one is what's something dark about you? Um, well, my biological mom committed suicide. So I oh, come man. from darkness. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, thanks. Uh, but you know, it's like, I still haven't found a great joke about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a joke about my rape and I oh, wow. think that there is like a gift in, in being able to find ways to laugh about like the darkest terrible things. Yeah. Um, and so ag- again on that, everything is everything tip. It's like, it's bad, but it's also experience that like lets me have a perspective that I wouldn't have otherwise. And that also lets me feel like. I'm allowed to make certain jokes that maybe other people would be like, Oh, I can't say that. Yeah, you know, cause you've lived the thing and yeah. yeah. And she died the thing. So yeah, I, that is really, man, that's, I don't know. I think that's amazing. Cause there is something to what you're saying about like, I don't know. It's almost like a weird, um, if it, it, it hits me, it was almost like an, uh, like you're, you're going into the bad place and bringing back truth from there yeah. for everybody else. It's yeah. like, it's like a weird like service. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not that it, not that it's like good that bad things happen to you or the bad people close to you, but that taking that and turning it into something that serves everyone around you is hopefully, beautiful. or at least something to aspire to. Right. Like I haven't quite figured it out, but I do feel like it's, um, it's made me, yeah, I don't know how much it actually was helpful, but, but I had a friend, I was friends with this couple and the, uh, guy committed suicide and he had struggled with depression. And the way his wife put it was like, he was always like the depressed guy who didn't kill himself until he did, which was really sad. And they had a son together and, um, I don't know how much it actually was helpful, but I was able to go like, Hey, I was that little boy that you now have who like and my parents didn't tell me the truth and the way that it came out and um hopefully she gets like the benefit of my experience in raising him like some of the what not to do and i do believe that's possible yeah my mother's mother was murdered when she was a child oh my gosh and i think it's really affected uh my point is i think that is hopeful like i do believe she's passed forward like abilities to heal and so i think when you guys do things like that i think it really has a real effect you know what I mean? I like, I'd like to believe that. Yeah. We were talking about something earlier about like that, you know, making unhealthy choices and working things out and your, whatever. But that, um, it made me think of that earlier too. Like I, I believe my mom has worked out certain traumas and things like that, uh, that allows us as her children to not have to, that yeah. otherwise would be paid forward. Like otherwise it would be our job to deal with or pass on to kids that we had yeah. and, uh, or just people that we're close to, but that there is something about, um, in this idea of everything's everything and this network of all of us being each other and us all being like the mind of God kind of collectively that there is something that like when you do your work or when you take something dark and horrible that you've experienced and you transform it into something else, I do think you, you change the, um, you, you change the like, 
the trajectory of that back and forth like it like a, it's like a switching it's like yeah. uh, if it was just stayed shitty and toxic in you then you you would it would you know what I mean it would accelerate and keep adding to that instead you have the potential now when bad things come to your little circuit in the god mind to like go like well I've changed that into something else and so now yeah. it goes out as something I don't know I just think um I like that like you were saying good. the question of just is this going to be more light or darkness and like kind of choosing light and it's not always going to be it's I think never going to be instant like no. you have to kind of if it is and I, I think it's phony not because you're like a bad person or a liar but because you're not wanting to deal with it and you're mm-hmm. only making and I have that problem too my therapist has called me on I'll talk about the most horrible thing and I'll be laughing and he's like why are you laughing right now and it's because I just I, don't want to take it seriously that, yes i think we all do that though and there's aspects of like i think about that all the time you describe something horrible and you'll be like chuckling while you right, do it right. when you try to tell somebody um yeah i think it's defense mechanism right. i also think it's like but in a very it's true also like if i don't take it that seriously then maybe it wasn't that bad right you know, or it didn't really happen that way because here i am laughing about it and if it had really been that bad i wouldn't be able to laugh about it so you're kind of trying to yeah. deceive yourself and i i think with some things like i do still need to just sit with that trauma like we're talking about not because mm. i've because i've dealt with it by getting stoned or getting drunk or not thinking about it so there probably is some like working through stuff that i still need to do but it is nice to on the other side of it like yeah, someone turn it into something. I don't know who said it originally, but some I don't know who I heard it. Maybe might have been on this podcast earlier, but that like with drugs in general that they endorse uh that they like discourage drug experiences that help you avoid your problems and encourage ones yeah, that help you engage with them. Yeah. That's how that's like kind of broadly how I've come to feel. I do think there's ways that alcohol can like I do think alcohol has a place in mourning. Yeah. Uh that is like really functional. Yeah. Um there like there's a reason you can you get drunk at wakes and stuff because it yeah. is a depressant and because it's almost like I remember when my grandfather died, my and like my mom like just went and turned on Johnny Cash's version of Hurt like immediately. And it was like this way that like, and then just, just wept. And it was like this way to like help you get there because you knew you had to. Right. And just when big atrocious things happen, we do, we laugh or like they become numb and you just like, you go numb. Um, there's a Neil Gaiman has like, in one of his books, there's a thing where these two sons drink this like, um, wine that's made with like the tears of gods or something. And it's like this profound thing about like someone died, their father died. And then, and that the thing to do then was to get drunk. Like you had to, Wow. and the ritual idea of that. So anyway, my point is like, but then, but right, maybe you can for, use a substance to get more attuned. Yeah. To even one like alcohol. Yeah. But like, if I'm in a phase of my life where I'm just, tr- you know, day to day is painful or whatever i'm not using alcohol for the appropriate purpose i don't have a big grief i need to mourn and access and make worse than it is so that we can really live it out and give it life and bring in these weird spirits these demons from the outside that alcohol seems to facilitate but uh, marijuana on the other hand while you can use it for bad things i think the chisel thing can work and i think it can do a thing that allows you to hold horrible experiences and feelings um in abstract ways outside of yourself mm-hmm. or step and go like, Oh, maybe yeah. that's, Sometimes you know, you get some perspective on something that you would otherwise be too close to. My mom did, um, uh, uh, uh MDMA facilitated therapy session Whoa. a while back. And that's increasingly, there was just some studies that came out about that for PTSD. And that was very profound for her too. They yeah. were like, part of that is that in these States where you're just flooded with all these like happy drugs, basically these happy chemicals in your brain that, 
in that state that a therapist could be like, Hey, you want to, so now that we're here and we're just hanging out, like, you know, that thing that was really bothering you, that thing you were talking about, that, you know, thing. And they can start talking about like, Oh yeah. And that you can experience it and talk about it in a somatic space. That's so different than right. what you associate it with. Yeah. That, that it sounds like, cool. It's fucking cool. And it can like yeah. reset like this thing. I don't know. I, I, um, Whatever. I don't and know. There's how so got many on that. studies about mushrooms and psilocybin yep. being used therapeutically. Yeah. I think apparently I think mushrooms was the one that like is currently the trials are on now, like to like yeah. reclassify it or the FDA filings it already. It should be. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. They're I know people that microdose for Yeah. I, and I've thought about it. I thought about it too. I've had limited experiences yeah. with psychotropic stuff and I'm always like I'm always like on the these days on the precipice of being like, I'm going to be a psychonaut for a while, guys. I'm just <laughs> going to become a weird. I'm going to do several months of psychedelics. I will say that's something I didn't connect up kind of in the way that well, like you switch a medication and you're suddenly different. You can't put together the two mm-hmm. things. But um, at Burning Man, I did do some mushrooms yeah. that like one night and it, and I didn't even remember it being like a feeling of like, I'm so fucking on mushrooms right now. But I do remember a night that I was just alone out in the fringes of the desert. And I didn't want to be by crowds of people just mm-hmm. biking around in this desert, like full of led lights and stuff and just so introspective. And I felt like I could only see the truth and I didn't yes. connect it to like this past month that I was like, Oh, I had big shifts in my life after that Burning yeah. Man experience. Yeah. I ended up at a psychiatrist cause of it. I quit drinking so two months later, a psychiatrist, two months after that, quit drinking that wow. I was like, I wonder if there was some yeah. connection to those, that little bit of mushrooms. Yeah. Anyway. Mushrooms are really magical. Magical. I mean, the tricky part is if you're not great at moderation, which it sounds like neither of us are. Right. But mushrooms are, I think, I think it's harder to get in the habit of abusing mushrooms mm-hmm. than it is weed or alcohol. Well, that's also why I've been careful with ADD stuff medication, because I do remember the first time I tried like cocaine, I was mm-hmm. like, I fucking love this. Yeah, and right. I knew who my dad was. And I knew what he loved to do. He and what he did cocaine. with his life. He loved he loved uppers. He loved to throw his life away when, right. you know, we were all kids. Um, I love my dad. I will always love my dad, but I think in many ways he's fundamentally changed his brain. That is gonna, gonna be hard, hard to ever come back I don't think I I think at a certain point you have to stop hoping anybody comes back from anything and like how I I saw something a while ago like how sad it is to imagine that the best version of us and the best part of our life is in the past Mm -hmm. and that like for anybody yeah and that like um all the best thing though for is that like somebody finds new peace or new life or a new sense of possibility and happiness that they can then pass to the people around them yes so i'm done for a long time hoping my dad like turns into who he was when i was a toddler yeah but um (laughs) that sounds healthy yeah i think that's good there is something really exciting yeah i started to worry that like my best years are behind me and that i'm already a failure because the things that i would have hoped to achieve i've a lot of them i've already aged out of speaking my fucking language oh my god it's so hard and then my mom, because I grew up with a mom, I was lucky in that way. My dad remarried and then they didn't tell me. So I didn't know that there was this mm-hmm. whole like biological side that had been hidden. But um, but she is a wonderful lady. Very, very smart. The fastest reader I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Allie's met her. Oh. Um, Allie congratulated her on her early fertility, in, oh. suggesting that she looked really young. And so my mom will always <laughs> love Allie <laughs> for that. That's really funny. Uh, and she does look young. But she, um, and she is. But she, she dances she's one of those people like that vivacity oh. that uh, thirst for life like well, around now the kitchen we are cooking. Having a therapy session yeah yes. well, well what i'm getting at so she she's yeah i wish she'd taught me to dance she didn't again a metaphor and also Metaphors a literal wow. but she but she's like been good at everything her whole life like she was a mm. midwife she's everything that she's tried to do she's very good at and now I feel she like just 
Yeah. Like, oh yeah. It bothers me sometimes. Yes. I'm like like she's everything like, you try to do, you're like so successful. I see. It's at. crazy. Like, why are you so pretty and funny and smart? I know. I feel that way. I too. should have reversed that order, but still, it's just crazy. Nah, fucking. I I think the instinct to say pretty first is like not just. A, I I truly feel this way. It's not just a social norm of like objectifying women and valuing them for like the stupidest reasons. I think when somebody's a good person, also that you feel that way. You you yeah. feel positive associations with That's them. That's true because you feel like their beauty comes out. Yeah. Yeah, that's it like, like pours out through them. The instinct, but even just superficially, yeah. she's very she is. pretty. That's also true. So fucking all that stuff. Who but cares? I'll say it's uh, in the marketplace. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. No, I think um, no, oh, I think that's true. But, but yes. all I was getting at with my mom is Good she she auditioned for something. Now and you know my mom's not an actor. She auditioned for this like Jewish woman's play thing, and they're like modesty laws and Orthodox Judaism. Like I don't think men are even allowed to come to the play because mm. it's considered immodest for women to sing wow. in front of men. I mean it's a whole crazy thing but the point is she like put herself out there she auditioned for something um and she got into the chorus and like is um dancing stuff and now they're having to learn routines and she's like i'm bad at this and it feels horrible and i don't want to go oh um and it's the first time that she's like ever okay. been bad at something well, then i will I, let me let me recontact let me say this because i think i've thought about this a lot about the being bad the thing um there's in fight sports a lot. There's uh -huh. this common like trope of fight sports. And you see it in Mike Tyson. You saw it in Ronda Rousey. You see it in some of these like all time great fight people who are like considered the fucking bad, like unstoppable monsters when they're first competing. Um, something happens sometimes with those people who are like, um, uh, what do you call the, what's the word? Uh, what's, what's the word when you're like, like a savant or, oh, yeah, or like, yeah. um, yes, yeah, so that kind of a thing. Yeah, what is it called? Savant, no? Yeah, I think that works. That works. Yeah. That um, virtuosos, or, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But that, like. Now I'm thinking of another word that I want to that I can't find, but that's. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But when they first encounter defeat. Prodigy? Prodigy. That's the one. Boom. That, yes. like, when someone's a fucking prodigy, sometimes because they haven't felt defeat and understood what it is to be broken and to remake themselves and what it is to be defeated and try to fix the problem whatever since they haven't encountered anything that they that they don't just fucking do yeah that like sometimes it's harder for them when they finally do to like do that yeah. and that for those of us who don't feel that way who were never prodigies who like <laughs> fucked up everything had to fight for every inch of skill and value in different things um that at least you do those people become journeyman fighters sometimes like those people have like amazing later careers they have amazing upset fights where they defeat prodigy type fighters right, and things like that. Right. because i think there's so much more profound and more human and more useful ultimately mm -hmm. maybe not i mean i don't know but like in that ability to in, persevere to persevere to grow to change to learn things that you're not good at when you first do yeah. them and that like taking that um quote unquote like lack of talent uh, as a gift and a virtue yeah. that like it, it, it's allowed you to learn other things right I mean I've always I do feel like cursed personally like a personal mythology of like jack of many trades and, and not very like always like being better than average when I start them and never be able to get over that yeah, hump or not yeah. stick with it and so I, I think I've thought about this a lot like am I playing so you're kind of in both camps because you bit, I feel like a little natural bit of both. ability but then you're like you still have to yeah, enough, stick it enough, out. Enough natural ability to make me lazy at everything. Right. And then... Um, yeah, I kind of relate to that too. I guess I've had a lot of both. I have no natural ability when it comes to dancing or anything involving mm -hmm. like coordination. 
Um, yeah, I th- I always said I think just personally I think I'm coordinated but not graceful, mm-hmm. and I try to like you know build the gap a little bit. That like, sounds good. Like you know being like clum- I feel like bull in a china shop a lot of the time. Yeah, but then I'd too. be like, but you should do jujitsu with me. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. But like if I'm not paying attention, but also it's interesting. I don't know. Then then there's all this mythology. I uh, and I'm just talking about me right now, I guess. But like that like okay. like dancing is challenging for me, and it's weird. Like I've re- like some of the times I've tried dancing and stuff is like jujitsu or combat sports are all about like fucking up somebody else's rhythm and being like sticky and uncomfortable for them <laughs> and trying to like you know mess mess them up versus like dancing is about like perfectly listening and staying right, in sync right so you think that feel that, like a metaphor for yeah, you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like there's a little bit of crossover. Like mm. if you were really, really good, then you should be a really good dancer too right. because you know how to just listen and flow. It's like the embodiment of balance if you can do both. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's challenging. Yeah, it's like you it sounds like And it. It, does, it does the personal mythology. The bad one is that I'm just a destroyer. Is that right. you're just naturally good at hurting I feel that way. I've people. even thought at times, I'm like, my last name is Ash. It's like the death of everything. It's like what's left when it dies. Yeah, but it's also ashes to ashes. That's also that, that thing about like that everything is everything. Yeah. You know, that like the, the ashes to ashes, dust way. to dust idea is that everything is the same since the back, uh, the big bang, like right. the, the, it'll all be me. It'll all be ash. Yeah. And that like, that is what everything is made of and that it's yeah. like fine, you know, <laughs> that's a, that's a nicer way. Yeah. Oh, but the last thing about my mom is just that it's cool that she's doing it, that there's this oh, thing yeah. that's challenging her oh, and, and it's and, hard. And she's like a grown up with an established and is yes. like, I'm going to do something new. Who could just be like, I already have my life. I live in it. It's comfortable. Yeah. I'll just stick with what I know. Well, the, the myth of like, it's too late for us is something I remember being like fucking 18 or 19 and being like, I'm never, it takes, cause somebody said the metric takes like 18 years or something like that or whatever. And I was like, I was like, that's not true. Like Lindsay Lohan. I was like, oh, well yeah, she's like 18. She did it for 18 years. She started when she was a little kid. I'm fucked. Right. And I literally thought of Lindsay Lohan now. Like somebody yes. who's the, like devastated life. Like not, yes. it wasn't like all good, but I no. thought of that person as, as like, I'm fucked. I didn't start yes. when I was a baby. Yes. I remember so even like picking up a guitar at 16 and being like, oh, it's too late. Cause some people learn when they're seven. And so they're good by <laughs> yeah. now. I mean, I may never be the greatest or whatever of whatever, but I started teaching myself piano like this last week. Hey. I have this piano that sits in my living room. So my roommates, I love I, that. there's an app, you know, you can yeah. get apps and I'm, why not? And it's great. also like, I think there is this weird perfectionistic idea of like, well, there's no point in learning if I'm not going to be the best, which is useless, useless, it's so useless, and so wrong. Yeah. You know? And the best is like not a real thing anyway. It's not. And look, look at popular culture or quote unquote, if even the things that you have dreams of doing, the best people are not the ones who always get there right especially in entertainment i think yes. about this a lot attrition just about people who have won best actress in recent years oh well, which is the f- <laughs> most like what the fuck are they even giving awards yeah. for that shit for it doesn't even make sense no but um but also i think i think attrition is a big thing can you just stick it out do you just keep trying mm-hmm. is it just yeah. like a thing like think of how many people you know quit la after like a year or two right. years or three right. years or dancers that i mean i guess they touched on this in black swan and it's it probably pops up all over but there are some dancers that are like perfectly trained that can do everything exactly the way they're supposed to and they're flawless but it doesn't move you it doesn't do anything right. and then there there are the dancers that are a little messier i mean both of them are still way better than yep. you and i will probably ever right, be right, right. but like the ones that have um feeling in what they're oh, doing oh yeah i mean i i think like uh somebody made a really good like mashy uppy like they edited this video that was uh, kind of semi-viral a little while ago i don't know but it was this video of like um they managed to take like american idol clips 
and then sub in like a Beatle or something like that, uh-huh. or like John Lennon singing something, and, you, and you're hearing his voice, like it might have been Imagine or something, and and like, you know, when you're in those contexts, you're like, oh, he's kind of pitchy, he's kind of right. like whatever, he's in his voice, and they kept like showing the audience and being like, you know, and then they would, and then they did the judges judging, and they'd be like, it's not bad, it's this thing, and then and they had like even footage of Lennon or something, they're like, right, right, mm-hmm. like you know, oh my god, and it was so funny because like, and then the, and then it ended so accurate, yeah, and the button was like, wait till you see who's next, and they show Bob Dylan being like, yeah, and you're just like in the context of how we are fed art now, you're like fucking Kelly Clarkson I don't even not gonna single her out because she's great in her own way but like this idea of like a flawless voice is what you're supposed to have or blah blah blah. like all pop I listen to pop or stuff that was on the radio at least like I love Fiona Apple whatever from the 90s or like Radiohead or like not Radiohead Portishead Mm -hmm. and shit like that and you're just like it's fucking crazy that this was like mainstream art right. compared to like now everything sounds the same. It's yes. so produced. It's like, I can't really tell the difference between pop star voices. Like, mm-hmm. but that this idea that we've, we've shifted that of some lie of perfection or right. something. I haven't even, um, I, I don't know how I went down this rabbit hole, but I was like looking at all of these people that came from reality shows that I didn't realize. Like, I guess be- before Beyonce was Beyonce, she was, in destiny's child but before that they were in they were called something else it was some girl group and they like competed and didn't win and like i don't even know what jennifer hudson really sounds like but i know she was cast in dream girls and won an oscar and supposed to be amazing but she had done some competition that she also like Mm -hmm. either didn't even really place or definitely didn't win like there are all these people that just like you're saying in that context they're yeah. not the standout or they're not the best one. Yeah. But like, what does that mean? What That's does that mean? not a real thing. Like it's, yeah, that, that, that whole, like, if you f- feel an impulse to like create stuff, you're not even, you're not going to be able to get away from it anyway. I know I'm backpedaling yeah. on my thing of like, I'm not choosing this or whatever. <laughs> but um, once you realize that you're stuck with it, this like you're stuck with this love, like basically just start fucking picking it and be like, right, ah, I'm going to do it right. anyway. I love doing it. I was talking about this with Jason That's the other great. night. He's, he's my roommate and he was like one of the last episodes, probably the last episode based on when I'll put this out, I think. But um, one of the things I we, that came out of that conversation that I've been thinking about a lot lately is... As soon as you can uh, shift your focus from like the perception of yourself in the universe, both that other people, what they think of you and also what you think of yourself, like Mm -hmm. your brand and your aesthetic and what you do and what you create and what kind of person you are. And you can shift away from the perception of who you are to like the doing of who you are. Yeah. Like the irony of like we're talking about in the context of making music and of making art that like that like there's a fear that he will never make he will never be truly as creative and good as people who are good quote unquote mm-hmm. who he sees just have access to some kind of creativity and that um the only way though that you will find out if you are or not is if you throw that concept out and just focus on the joy of the yes. doing and that you do run the risk of being one of those like quote unquote those like fools that we see who you're right. like oh you're trying to be a comic you're never gonna be good or something right, like right, that right. but that if you are truly in the love of it and the and the fact of the doing of it brings you joy the irony is it wouldn't even matter to right. you if you were never going to be good right. because the making of your not good music that you don't have any fans for or whatever would bring you so much joy that you would be beyond that right and that 
the and it's hard to divorce yourself yes, from the outcome of course it is. but if you get lost in the doing and that feels good then it's ultimately worth it well and the truth about most like dreams that we want to pursue i think obviously we're we're focusing on the like, creative and art kind of as a profession but like i think truly like anything that you dream about doing that seems unrealistic you're gonna have to do it for free for a long time anyway yeah. so you're gonna have to sustain your life somehow some other way anyway yeah. so like once you get over that and stop feeling bad about like being poor or something mm -hmm. and like just you know figure out a way to do the thing you love i mean when i came up in chicago doing theater it was like all these people who had nine to five jobs and and like middle-aged and older like and still making this off-loop theater yeah. that's better than almost fucking any theater i've ever seen out here wow. almost any play i've seen at big big houses but like they're truly doing it for the love yeah. and sometimes like i don't know it, it sounds so corny but if you can really shift to like your lived experiences like paying attention to what you actually feel not like the idea of who you are or what you should feel or if you're good or bad or successful like damn you like bypass a lot of your yeah you know i've been thinking a lot about this failure. stuff too it's it's about like figuring out what makes you feel good or like you were saying the things that you can't get away from that you're like i know that i love this so i just have to suck it up and choose this yeah. finding ways to love even the shitty parts about it because you are stuck yeah. there so like and i haven't figured it out yet but there has to be a way at times like you know, whether it's frustrations with representation and being like, okay, this will help me be a better communicator as an actor, as yep. I learn to communicate with my reps sure. or whatever the thing is that sucks. Well, I also Finding. think also the fact that you're just figuring out also, I remember being in LA sitting on my ass for like two, three years when I was here and you know, all the, all the things and I've done this since and before whatever and being like at a certain point if i'm not like making art i can't like say i'm an artist anymore yeah. if i'm like can i be an actor if i haven't acted in like years and years right. and on some level yeah you can always return to it but on the other level like once i started to go against like just like choosing it the fact that you i think a lot of us are experiencing this in new media who are in this profession too but like you're making your own things you're writing your own things you're writing things for you to be in and stuff is like once you start going like I just want to be making things yeah. I, and I do have some aspirations of making them bigger and trying to secure some money to have a bunch of crew and people so we can make them bigger and take more time. But still like the base impulse of not waiting for somebody else yep. to give you that job, mm -hmm. not waiting for someone to give you your life yes. is like important. And that's where, I mean, what we were talking about, like eventually you do keep choosing stuff. Like I'm either choosing to sit here and watch or I can stand up and make something mm -hmm. like there is Obviously, there are sort of gatekeepers and people that make our jobs harder or easier, but we're really lucky to live in a time where like we can just do shit. Oh, yeah. You don't need a film camera. Yeah. You know, most of the time you're no. not going to get one. I, I'm actually th thinking of my buddy, um, Coda, who's been on this podcast before. And he's a musician and I think just a beautiful musician and just a beautiful person. I just I have a weird like love on, for this guy. Aww. But um, he got a mini D like a like an old digital video camera. It only shoots like 720 and it's like square lenses when you put it in your. It's like really weird. But um, it's so beautiful. Like like people like the the way it pixelates and the mm -hmm. way in low light it creates this like green red noise and stuff. It's something that people put like fake filters on now, yeah. like you know, to like make it look VHSy or whatever. Right. And it was so fun. He's been shooting stuff on it, making little like music videos with it and things. And I want to do like a feature on it, like yeah. because it's like it's weird. Um, it's very much like uh, uh I think like oil painting like they figured out how to do realism and for some reason that evolved to where people wanted to do abstract and impressionism it's like not because they couldn't but something yeah. in them craved this degraded like thing that allowed you to fill gaps in yeah and that like 
David Lynch was making movies on like DV camcorders when they were first coming out. But when it's contemporary, it felt like just why are you doing that? It's cheap. Right. But now that we can all have like a DSLR or our phone can shoot 4K, mm -hmm. there's something like really beautiful and sensual about these frames that are made up of like this degraded image. Right. And that's a little a bit. Choice yeah, yeah, it's a choice. All you have. And it's kind of like a side thing. But like on the same thing you're saying, like the tools to make dreamy, wonderful things are all around us. Yeah. And I think one thing about that, too, is getting away from um, the myth of the auteur mm -hmm. in that like understanding that all art all great art is like an artist meeting whatever that creation is where it's at and what that input uh requires meaning like what who are the crew what's the weather like who are the people on set what's happening yeah. what resources do you have that there's very rarely a situation where you truly have one person adamantly being like i'm only doing exactly what i want this to be and usually i feel like that backfires anyway completely you were saying something earlier about mistakes the right mistakes well-made mistakes well-made mistakes yeah. i feel like some of the best movies are like a collection of well-made mistakes which isn't to say that there was no vision on the part of the writer or director or the cast but like some of the best moments yeah. are the things that you don't plan on yes it's just um, how it's gotta you know yeah. it's a willingness to embrace yeah. the, the so-called flaws that like, yeah i think the, the ability to live in that dialectic and like m just understand that again that's the sandcastle thing too i, I think movies like function and dialogue with themselves and their context and even if you're like capturing something that day that isn't what you intended or what you wanted right like you get something very real, right. whether you like it or not. Yeah. Something different. And maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse. Maybe it's just different. Yes. But you have to like face what is versus what you wish there was. Right. Just like us being like, okay, maybe it's, you know, learning to like my mom learning to be a better dancer after having four kids and, and an entire life. Yeah. Um, It's maybe not the way that you imagined it happening, but it's, it's different, but it's not any less. Right. It's just parallel or I don't know. Now yes. I'm just rambling. No, no. Um, I mean, we're all rambling. We're yeah. almost done. Here, let's wrap this up. That okay. was the longest dark question. What's the last <laughs> gorgeous thing you saw? That's the next question. Oh, my gosh. Um, the, the first thing that popped into my head right now, mm -hmm. and I don't know that this just is. Just go with it. Okay. Was um, um, Call Me By Your Name. Oh. Which. I haven't seen it. You, oh, I would love to hear what I you think. I want to see it. It's the kind of movie that I would think I might really not like. But I did. And Why? I don't because know if it's, it's like feels my instinct when you said that would be because it seems like such an indie good movie, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Well, not to hate it because it's quote unquote good and to be like a contrarian, but because I get annoyed with it's weird. Like I was just having this conversation with a friend. Like I love some sort of slice of life stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I love like a contained movie. Like I love Before Sunset and Before uh, yep, yep. Sun Sunrise. I never saw the first one, weirdly. I've only seen the second and third ones. I, before oh yeah, okay. Sunset and Before Midnight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those I think are I've contained. only seen the first oh, one. Oh, really? Maybe, yeah. Second one is really so good. I should see the first one. I like a contained story. I like indie a lot, but... Like I loved Reservoir Dogs. It's like pretty right. much set in one location. Yep. It's like a post heist heist. It's right, very right. pared down. But I still like there to be like a narrative thrust. And I feel yeah. like I loved Call Me By Your Name, even though there isn't that much story and mm -hmm. like not much happens. But I yeah. was so on board. It felt like a poem. So when you said like the most gorgeous Ooh, thing I've cool. seen, 
Yeah, it was That's like a, a visual great description. poem. Yeah. And I was really high, so I want to watch it again that helps. sober. That helps. Yeah. Or sometimes hurts. Sometimes you're like, oh God, every I, line yeah, becomes I laughable. Yeah, I watch movies like, um, Allie says she, she describes it as texture. She likes movies with texture. Yeah. Which might just, usually they're period pieces and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And I do increasingly, I mean, I always have my whole life. I think one of my favorite things about movies does have to do with their aesthetic and the feeling like a good movie, uh, including like Star Wars, which I still think is like the movies that made me want to make stuff at all as being a little kid and seeing those. But just the ability to transport and live in a yeah. different world for a while yeah. and a universe that is tinged in a certain way. Yeah. One thing I want to do, and I was thinking about th making this the the DV camcorder movie, uh -huh. is I really want to make a movie where, uh, like kind of what you just said, where like nothing bad happens, mm -hmm. like a conflict-free movie. And maybe even set up like, oh, you think a conflict's going to happen? Like two people are there and they're like, oh, are you going to that party later, blah, blah. And like, oh, you know, so-and-so's going to be there. Have you talked to them yet about it? And they're like, no. But then they just work it I out. Like, Have you seen Being There? Mm, yeah the peter sellers movie yes. i saw when i was a kid my dad loved that movie when i was a kid i should watch Great it again because i haven't seen there's it like time. really like at the very beginning there's sort of like a conflict but it never really ends up being yeah. a problem i'd be curious to see what you think when you rewatch it there's like no yeah. conflict and all people will tell you in any like screenwriting class is like that's number one there has to be conflict there has to be conflict and i hate it i hate it too and I, being there is always my answer to it in my mind i'm like there's no and people yeah. will argue oh this is conflict no it never goes I've anywhere come to respect the conflict thing more and the storytelling and like the hero's journey stuff and I think it's really helpful and I've realized why I love it in stories and things like that too. That, too. that being said, almost like, you know, like ASMR is becoming so mm -hmm. popular, becomes about all these kind of weird, yeah. I, I um, like they're intimate and they're strange and they're like quiet nothing, but like the rich reality and truth of like nothing. Right. I feel like I almost, I want to make it like as as like medicinal films, yeah. like movies that are balms for this horrible time we live I in. I love that. You know, just <laughs> nothing seems happens. Very saleable. It's, right yeah, it's now called too. um, it's called Sunday. That's what uh -huh. I think I'm gonna call it. And it's just about a Sunday. It's I like, like it. I think I was gonna make it. I think two people who have like, it's the morning they met the night before, but they and they fell in love and they slept together. But that's just there's no like question about it. It's just like two people who are in love and they're like, what are you gonna do today? Ah, oh, my friends are. You wanna go to the farmers market? And they go to the farmers market. And then they're like, they, they run into some friends who are at Sunday. brunch and they go hang out with these friends at brunch. And it's just that. Yeah. They might just, there might be an extended sequence of just somebody working out in a park. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like a perfect yeah. day where yeah. nothing bad happens. And I everyone, feel like we yeah. need that right now. I want people to see it and go like, what the fuck was that movie? Nothing <laughs> happened. And for other people to maybe somewhere on a podcast be like, it was like a poem. <laughs> uh, all right. The very last, very, very last thing we're fucking, this is longer than I expected. I'm sorry. Have, have we fun. been here for like six hours? I want to say only three, but okay. it's still it's still pretty long, longer than expected. But I I'm so sorry to keep you so long, but it's, <laughs> it's been, been really nice. Fun, it's been yeah. it's rolled. I think that dark question went longer than I thought because you had some wonderful things to say, and I, and I thank you for sharing this that stuff too. The last great day. thing, uh, we did don't kill yourself. Let's so I have oh, this yeah. list of things that I when I was in a bad place. Mine always starts with coffee, sandwiches, and lavender soap. But please add. One or more items to the don't kill yourself list. I love list. it. Uh, I thought of a few while we were going. I mean, the big one for me is like puppies, mm -hmm. um, which I guess everyone says. A lot of people say dogs, and I oh, think it's totally appropriate. It's so good. And there are studies bringing it full circle that show um, that productivity is actually can be increased after watching like a few like puppy videos or kitten videos because oh. it makes you feel better and yeah. you do better work as you feel better. I did not know that. So even if you don't have a puppy or a kitten or whatever, you can still watch a video of it. Yep. Um, um, 
and I, I reference Ellie's podcast too much on here, but she did a colology episode, which was this, uh, which is the study of beauty and beauty standards. And uh-huh. they, it's a really good episode. Ooh. It's dark also, but great. And the woman who's, um, cause she actually says how Instagram is like a horrible, like whatever. I won't get into it, but she says she had, she was like kind of commanded to get on Instagram by the people who are like, you got to have a presence online and uh, whatever, right. sell books. But um, she said she just follows like dog and cat accounts. Wow. And that's how she like gets around it. Like, okay, fine, I'll get an Instagram. Yeah. But to avoid this horrible, like, the beauty culture thing yes. that people fuck themselves up with but that um i do think there's something like self-care yeah. about that there kind really of is. i unfollowed everything on twitter because it was like i felt it was grinding my brain off the mm-hmm. way i was taking information for a it's while i good. only followed metamucil because <laughs> it was the only thing that was helping me in my real life <laughs> but they were a really uninteresting account and then because of the fucking evil algorithms they just start recommending to you like accounts they follow and commercials right. and so I, right. I, I took it off too but puppies and puppies kittens. and dogs puppies yeah. and kittens. Okay. that's the way to do it so that's number one i mean have one if you can rescue yeah. one that's that's the best but even if it's just looking at pictures or videos or whatever um two for me is leonard cohen and i thought about Ooh. um what you were saying with your mom putting on the johnny cash mm-hmm. cover of her hurt that like that might be something that makes some people more sad and want to kill themselves but for me it's like a way to feel yep. seen and understood and it's also like pure poetry i think um, that all the um sing a sad song to make it better that yeah, Beatles lyric, I think that all the time that is i never thought about that lyric as meaning that but it makes sense that's i i don't know that always is just how it hit me but there's i mean that's why i really do love fiona apple so much and yeah. i think about her lyrics a lot like I, leonard cohen is interesting because he's a poet and a musician and i think falls into this category i had a, a buddy when i was a kid he was older than me in high school and then he was studying poetry at like ucla or something like that and i remember saying this one time that it bothered him when people were like they have their lyrics are poetry their music is poetry and he was like they're they can be poetic but they're not poetry because like inherently poetry is something that functions as text on a page that impacts you and by the addition of music it becomes something else right and that the beauty and strangeness and power of the magic of i which i truly find to be like magic spells the yeah. idea that you look at scritchings on a on a paper and, and they feel affect you and- but that being said i think some of these like leonard cohen who is a poet and also a musician they do i mean the lyrics she comes up with I, I mean, sometimes they've actually been released as poems and then as songs. So with like, him? So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So there are some that like were poems first, and yep. then there's one that he actually you're fishing good. me. Um, there was something that he would do as like a recitation on stage. Mm. So that becomes more like spoken word poetry. Yeah, which I, it's I, I not think a there's song. There's no music. Yes, there's something in there. I mean, like I've already said, I love poems. I write writing poems. I don't really like poem culture that much these yeah, days. I, I, I feel similar about theater. I used to joke about theater that like I love. I did theater. I didn't go to theater. That like yeah. that was how I felt about it. Yeah. Um, I've been watching Friends as I've been healing from this uh-huh. surgery a lot, and there's this thing Monica is into this guy, and then he writes a poem, and she likes wounds and it's funny because i was like i do love good poetry but like i would not swoon for i would be horrified if, if someone wrote like, something about yeah. you yeah I, it like, feels like there's all this pressure it, comes yes. with it and stuff I would just be like i'm not gonna like it well i think it'd be it's very scary when somebody tells you they do something like mm-hmm. that because you're just going like please be good please be right please right good. because what do you do when it's and the not fear that it's bad is enough to make you just not want to read i know it, that being said and to not be inconsistent based on the things i said earlier fuck those people and fuck that fear in them yeah. make whatever you have to make That's just true. do it 100%. do it for you yeah But a really great thing about that that I keep reminding myself of is like, yeah, do it because you want to. Like when I get so stressed and burnt out on this industry is when I'm focused on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And when I come back to just like, I mean, 
granted, there's reasons to be stressed all the time because maybe you write something and it is what you want to make and you finally get the money and the cast and whatever. And then you have all these notes on how you have to do it. And right. it's not what you want to do anymore. And then you're sacrificing your yep. creative vision. And that's a shitty place to be in. Um, but shy of those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are always going to be times like that. But most of the time when I'm feeling really down, I'm just not doing the things like even if I were in that situation, it sucks. But one way to cope is like to figure out the next creative thing that I can do where mm -hmm. I'm not I don't have to be a slave to anyone, even yep. if it's like a two minute video that I'm shooting on my iPhone just that to totally. combat the feeling of like I've come to use um, Instagram like that a little bit. Yeah. It's just a space that I feel comfortable to be as like weird as I fucking want uh -huh. and do things that That's I like. Great. And I think having outlets like that are, you know, it's it's weird. It does become its own little weird art projects. Like sometimes I'll like I lose context and I realize like because someone else will talk about it. Like I put all these like workout -y videos and stuff on there and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm the guy who does that. That's really <laughs> weird. Uh, but you just have to throw, awesome. that, throw that feeling yeah. out. Yeah. You got to like I've, I've started calling it cringe core mm -hmm. that like um, like or sincerity cringe like this kind of That's like great. cringe core is a great, you know, phrase. Yeah. Like just embrace it. Word. I actually follow some like cringe accounts. There's one called like my cringe on Instagram. And and sometimes it's kind of mean and it's just so cringe. It's like this like but there's something so beautiful and like About cringy the shit to me. The willingness. Yeah to be sincere yeah just like the human need to be seen and yeah. like the depth of human feeling which i think is part of like things that are really depressing and dark making you feel better is because you're like other people feel that way too right you know it's tough like when people are like you know it's not just trump winning I, whatever bad things kavanaugh getting sworn whatever where people are like post videos of themselves crying at the news Ugh. while i can relate to the feeling every time i'm just horrified i'm like don't I post that know. and then i hate myself for feeling that i go back and forth on that one because <laughs> well because it's like you said about the um i don't know you said it earlier made me think of something related to this made me think of it but like you know, actors who, who like people will be like, uh, I used to think of this here this morning when I was younger. You talk about it. But if you tell someone who's an act, you're an actor who's not in the, you know, they'll be like, oh, wow. two things that are always funny is like, how do you remember all those words? Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one is like, can you cry? Do you like, you like right. just cry on command? Right. And, uh, and my feeling was always like, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I can also like sneeze and puke and fart and stuff too. <laughs> uh, and that like in my real life, like often when I've been in the most pain, I like, I find it an irrit like irritating. I still do it sometimes, but like when when I read a script uh, and it says like they cry or something like that, um, one should I believe never take that as an actual directive to cry. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is discounting like if you get a fucking job in NCIS and that's what they want you right. to do, and who gives a fuck? But right. that's not really real anyway. But like that, you your your bodily reactions to big human emotions are not something that we can like codify right and that there are so many people who just cry and you the dancer who doesn't really feel right, but is right. perfect like yes. that you you see them and you're not crying you don't give a fuck you're like so oh you can just turn the that on spent holding yourself back from crying is so much more effective oh yeah than crying but yeah. i'm with you i remember i can't remember who it was some acting teacher i read a book of hers and it was like basically just cross all that stuff out oh yeah i and totally you're agree with that to have your experience of it i think they're fine to use as like um not to get so acty technical or whatever yeah. they're good they're nice as like waypoints of right. being like the feeling tone or like right. oh so you can go like okay oh, this is like grief going on here yeah. or something like that um or this person is at least in an emotional state right they're not unmoved or unfazed yeah. or i guess there's a scenario where someone's crying because they're being manipulative and then that's a different then you could take that cue differently completely yeah, yeah. that in that case yeah precisely then, then cry if you can <laughs> but just like that um so i do feel that thing when people have that reaction and film themselves crying i do think it's because you enter in your 
mind and like all the context of that person and who they are and you go like okay okay so like it's possible that they're just being so pure that they have this thing and they're just reacting to it and being like this is how i'm feeling so all you are feeling this way too just so you know we're all feeling this way fine but there's also the thing where you're like Oh, someone was like, this is a really real moment right now. I'm going to take a picture of myself. Yeah, exactly. You're like for like the likes. Yes, it does feel exploitative or like it disingenuous. And I'm sure some because I'm thinking of one friend who I'm very close with who like I don't think it I I believe it was genuine, but it still made me go like, oh, like want to crawl into my own skin. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's strange because um I not to I, I will be done. We're about done. But like, there's this dream of being discovered when you're like an artist. Right. That like one day someone's gonna see you at the pool and be like, "Have you ever been thought about acting or whatever?" <laughs> or like, "You're just so human. You have this energy or something." Yeah. And that you're like, "Oh, oh." And this illusion that the celebrities that you love, it's like, well, any examined life becomes one that's lovable. It's like right. when you love somebody, and the more you learn about them, the more there is to love. Right. And, and there's a feeling that any human, once you get to know them, you start to feel love for them because like they're so real and complex, and that demands a kind of love. And so there's like this fantasy that like someone will capture you and be right. so like, I want to just, I'm sorry. I don't mean about it. Can I take a picture of you? And <laughs> I want to maybe put you in something. And that now that we have like the tools for ourselves yeah. that you sit at home and you go like, I mean, I want to be an artist because I'm complex. And I think like I have like complex <laughs> things. And I think if someone just gave me the chance to act and do it. Um, right. But so maybe now when I'm feeling things, I should just capture it myself. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's sort of deranged. Yeah. Like, I guess that's the per- that feels like the perfect word to me is that it yeah. just feels deranged. I don't want to hate it. Yes. I don't want to be d- judgmental about it, but it does feel like I'm ready for my close up, Mr. DeMille. It's just like deranged. Yes. <laughs> yes. I Deranged is going to be the word that I use for it forever because it's like how could because and again, because the fact that we're calling it deranged to me, like forgives the instinct because right. how, this is a deranged time. Yeah. You shouldn't have a video camera in your yes. pocket to be like, this is me right yes. now. Which will I'll use that to segue into my third thing on the list of reasons not to kill yourself. Um, that with all of the chaos and derangement of mm-hmm. the current climate where like everything is like at the touch of a button and yeah. at your fingertips. Um, there are YouTube tutorials for like anything you would want to learn how to do. So true. What a good one. Yeah. Right. I've, yes. I've like done, I can show whatever. There's like some paintings over there. I don't really paint, but I like did this YouTube tutorial and it turned out great and it was fun. And if it had turned uh, out badly, that's fine yeah. too. I just no, like. That's so true. I, uh, this app I've been using to learn piano, it yeah. feels like a game and it feels exciting. It was like, yes. I learned three chords and I could play, uh, you are my sunshine and I Hell yeah. derangedly put it on Instagram <laughs> and I'm very proud of myself, but you it is be. magical. I'm going to go like it when we. I read a thing. There was a Reddit thread the other day that was on the front page that was like, what are, um, it was like asking for people about things that we think are very scary, but actually aren't. And one of them that was posted related to what you said and I haven't tried it yet but they were like basically IT stuff like fixing computer program problems and it just feels like so horrible but yeah. it's like really, they were like 95% of the time take the number of the error code that pops up type it into Google and the first five responses somewhere yes. in there will tell you how to fix it. Yes. Lately I've been having yeah. that happen where like I was editing something. So I used to work on Final Cut. This is boring, but then you what are can't you using do it. Now? now I'm using Premiere. Really? Yeah. Oh, Final Cut. I'm sorry. I was thinking of writing software. Yes. I oh, use Premiere yeah. also. Well, because I had Same to. Thing, it won't take Final Cut. Like the newer mm-hmm. Max won't run Final Cut 7. It's just 10, which sucks. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I have to switch to Premiere and I'd sucks. get stuck and I would ask Amir like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And he would try and figure it out and then he'd get stuck on something things and then yeah. i was like 
Oh, if I just Google it. Yes. I started to figure it out. I didn't Completely. need I felt so dependent on like somebody who knew better than I did. Yeah. There's and you know what? That person for, is the internet. That person is the internet. That's right. I love that. All right. Well, great. <laughs> this like horrible resource that's grinding our brain off and everything. Let's not forget that the dream of the internet is still alive yeah. in this repository of free knowledge is like yes. accessible. Yeah. It balances out all the You can go down dark pathways shit. too. Yeah. I downloaded all these survivalist manuals just to Whoa. have them, you know? <laughs> just to have them. Yeah. Do you print them out? Yeah. Well, I will. I should print them out because when the, the EMP hits, it's like, that's it, dude. When <laughs> when they restrict my access. I don't know. I do I, think there's a good horror movie waiting to be made. I thought about like how my camera, the like backup camera in the mm-hmm. car could just lie to me and kill me. That's true. Like it would be so easy to just use an old image. We old should just footage. film a whole movie on the backup camera. Yeah. That's, that's innovative. How did you guys get that? How did you get the car in the room? <laughs> All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. This was really delightful. This yeah. is thank you for being so open. And, I had a blast. Yeah. All right. Do you, do you want anybody? I do you want to put any social stuff or anything? Oh yeah, I'm at Avital Ash. Just my name, Avital A V I T A L Ash. Yeah, great. On everything. I don't know if anybody will like do it, but I always just. I mean, know, I'd like it if you did. It. Some people um, don't. I was. I've been more and more impressed by people who are like. Nah, I'm good. You know. <laughs> It's weird doing a mental health podcast. Sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's a problem either because I think it's so helpful just even in the micro to do this yeah. kind of thing with people. Um, but I think some people are like, it's too vulnerable. Like, you know and what I mean? Don't like they don't feel like followed. promoing as much or yeah. something. But um, anyway, that's I feel a like it would have been a more selfless answer to be like, nope, I just did this. I don't but think I want so. followers. I'll I take the think followers. So. I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll see. We, if I mean, wants to. I mean, yeah, I'm I'll put that in the front it. also of this because. <laughs> talked for a long time I'm sorry (laughs) thank you for giving me your afternoon (laughs) bye bye ah thank you for listening to my good bad brain if you made it all the way through you're wonderful and maybe you should consider checking out um patreon.com slash my good bad brain and throwing some cash to the show help keep it going uh thank you so much be well hydrate self-care always bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.